Welcome to episode two of the Games and Junk Game Club podcast. My name is Jason Ariola, and joining me today is Brittany Beschel. What's up? So it's been a little while. We're running a little behind here, but we are back uh, thanks to some technical difficulties on my end, but everything's kind of sorted out here. And we are also back with Life is Strange. Today we're going to be covering episodes three and four and... uh, uh, yeah, I guess that's basically it. There's not really much else to explain there. I don't know why I kind of got a little extra wordy on that. So, um, starting at, or I guess, God, how did episode two end? I'm trying to remember now at this point. Let me see. Uh, that was with Kate's whole uh, the rooftop thing. buckle. Right, yeah. right. Okay, so episode three starts off in sort of the aftermath and... Uh, Max is actually kind of going through playing detective and let me see she gets doesn't Chloe calls her and they end up um, going or basically trying to break into the school to find a little I guess dirt on some people check out files and stuff like that Um, in this part like the like I thought was kind of interesting gives you a little bit more insight into Victoria you can actually go into her room and look around and you kind of get like a little bit more insight into Victoria as like a person which I thought was kind of nice because you just basically get this like bitch outlook of Victoria otherwise and this <laughs> sort of humanizes her a little bit yeah I mean along the way just the conversations and stuff that you have with her she seems almost like goofy villain-esque like People don't really act like that, at least no one that I've ever met. So it, it is good to just get a little bit of insight into who she actually is by going into a room and doing your usual snooping. That would never be accepted otherwise. Yeah, I think uh, I think as we've pointed out, uh, I think Connor was the one who pointed out that uh, Max is very curious. That That's a nice way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a part of me wonders, like, if she was, well, you know, actually, I'll, I'll get into this, um, I guess now, like, we had talked about her being curious and I kind of, I think on the last episode I had wondered like if Max was like this prior to her ability to rewind time. And if you go through her journal, actually like a lot of her journal entries, she mentions being like curious, basically like people called her curious before. And then as you See, go I don't through, I don't even the, remember that. And as you go I, through I originally game, just assumed, 
I just assumed that it may have been because, you know, she has these powers now. And if she happens to get caught checking out people's stuff, you know, without their permission, she has that power that she could just rewind. And it's like it never happened. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if the curiosity was a kind of a um, an effect of the time travel. But if you kind of listen to like some of the conversations, like they'll mention that, like, oh, Max, you're so curious or something to that effect, basically. So. I think now she's just maybe a little bit more bold and brazen with it since she can rewind time. But it also sort of comes into this weird thing where she can rewind time, but you can tell she's also not, I don't want to say not comfortable or not like totally comfortable with it, but she also doesn't want to rely too heavily on it because she's not sure of the consequences of it. And she doesn't want it to not work basically after that whole Kate incident thing. So Yeah, considering she was lucky that that turned out, well... I guess depending on what your choices were there, but I was going to say, I mean, she was able to rewind her back up onto that roof and freeze time for a little bit. Yeah, at least give her the opportunity to save or not save her instead of just, like, rewinding and just watching her jump off over and over, which sounds like the worst version of Groundhog Day ever, so. Yeah. Let's see. Now, as you uh, as you exit the dorms, um, actually, I thought, like, one of kind of the more interesting scenes was... Um, you happen to run into the principal and he's clearly drunk trying to open up a door. <laughs> and I thought that was like a very interesting thing. Cause he comes across as like this kind of like bullheaded, like I guess a stereotypical like principal, just a jerk and a hard ass about everything. And then he's very clearly intoxicated and just like sitting there like, I can't open this door. It's like, okay, that's like, that's kind of a cute little nod there. <laughs> to, he's actually a human being outside of this. Like, and maybe I think that has something to do with, like, seeing everything from Max's perspective. Like, you do see the adults as sort of, like, these infallible people, basically. But, like, eventually, I, I suppose as you get a little older, you start seeing that, like, oh, adults don't know what they're doing either. They're just as lost and confused as I am. They're just better at faking it, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's all you really get from age and experience is just figuring out how to cover up how childish you still are. Yep, yep. I thought, you know what, that's a very good way of putting it. So, uh, Chloe, I think yeah, we said this, Chloe calls you and you end up going or texts you. Nobody calls anymore. Who am I kidding? Um, <laughs> uh, you can tell I'm old, uh, text you to go into the school and break out or, you know, break into it. So you can start looking in there. So, um, once you manage to sneak past the, uh, the principal, you end up in the school and you, you have a chance to kind of look around a little bit and see the school, um, a little bit different light, I suppose, and the lack of light. And there's a lot of little things you can do in here. Nothing, I don't think there's anything too major, but like one of the things I thought was kind of cool was like being able to go and change a, a, a Warren, that's his name, uh, change Warren's grade, basically. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cute that she even like would consider doing it. And even if you ended up helping him get the, uh, get the better grade, like you can still change it to like an A plus basically. Cause he, I think he can max out like an A and then you can give him an A plus or something like that. So yeah, see, that's weird because I definitely helped him uh, complete the experiment the proper way because I was really trying to get all the um, the available optional photographs. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I guess it was just something I missed. I didn't realize that you were able to change the grade on his paper. Yeah, I did Although that. I feel like that's something that Max, like as a character, wouldn't really do, you know? I mean, she, she does a lot wrong, but I mean, changing someone's grade on their paper is just a little far. Yeah, well, although I don't know, I think I think making a little uh, a tiny little bomb to blow open a door 
uh, seems yeah. a, seems comparatively uh, worse than changing a grade on a piece of paper. So, <laughs> what can we say? Chloe's a bad influence. That's uh, that's it. Might be true. So. Basically, while you're wandering in the school, what you're looking for is pieces of a uh, a little bomb, basically, to blow open the principal's door. It's it's a little kind of... It's not nearly as bad as the bottles uh, chasing down segment, oh, which boy. was, I think, everybody's, like, weak point of this of this game in general. But and this... this, this eh, it wasn't nearly as bad, of course, like I just said, but it certainly didn't do the game any favors in terms of, like, how it felt and how it flowed. It, it felt like it's, like, slowed it down needlessly just a little bit, so... Um, so you blow open the door, uh, and then Max rewinds time and, or while she's behind the door, because she sets off a series of alarms and then just unlocks the door. So I thought that was kind of a clever use of Max's powers on her part. So, um, you go in there and you start finding some rather, rather damning files on people, except, uh, oh God, who's the, uh, the little rich asshole that everybody hates. God, Nathan. Nathan, yes. See, you're going to learn I am absolutely terrible with names, like character names in video games. Like, I can't keep them straight to save my life. So, I've played like a hundred and something hours, probably close to 200 hours of Tactics Ogre, and I still don't have most of those character names down. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But anyway, uh, yeah, except him. He seemed, His files all seem to be A okay and hunky dory, which is odd. And if you, uh, actually, if you go around and dig enough, you actually find Chloe's file, too. So I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, because it never really was explained what she was doing with her life now that she wasn't in school. I mean, she's 19, so she stayed in. She probably would have graduated anyway, just chose not to go to college. But it was good to find out that it was uh, just Chloe being Chloe and... <laughs> <laughs> just getting kicked out of there pretty much but also another thing I wanted, I wanted to point out though when looking through the files one of the things i noticed is uh little hopeful warren there uh another one of those things that just i don't know if this goes against him or goes for him with him just being as uh i don't know the words i'm looking for maybe just pushy as far as like kind of being in love with max goes mm-hmm. he's only 16 and she's 18 so you know what i didn't catch that thing. either he's yeah, so he's, it's another thing is he's just, he's very young, you know, especially, I know that this is probably just one of those sayings that's gone on forever, it may not even be true, but they always say that boys mature a lot slower than girls do. Oh, it's true. So, I'll, I mean, I'll, as, a, as a male, I'll vouch for that, so. So he could basically, I guess in his mind, be like a 14-year-old boy compared to her being 18 or possibly even older in her mind, so. I mean, I guess it, I understand a little bit more where he comes from for not understanding that the things he's doing are a little creepy, weird, and stalkerish. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm saying, I guess I guess that makes it a little not acceptable, but you understand. Yeah, a little he, bit he more. Yeah, I, that two years can make a world of difference in terms of being able to understand that, like like we talked about on the last one, peeking out from behind the corner to look in her window <laughs> from a distance. I mean, it's not like he climbed up a ladder and was like peeping Tom that shit. He was just. I think I think it was more of uh, like longingly, like looking at her window, like oh, there's Max. <sighs> you know, I think it was kind of more of that than like, oh, maybe I'll get to see her change or something like that. I think it was. I think it was more <laughs> of a a longing, innocent thing, but still a little creepy when you get right down to it. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. I mean, the way I saw it was he, the way that he was just kind of waiting by the principal's uh, door there. 
I, I think that he was pretty much just looking in her room to see when she was leaving, maybe to purposely plan that accidentally bumping into her moment. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I mean, who knows? Who knows what's in that boy's mind? Yeah, I think uh, I think ultimately, like, I think it was. I think it just he's got this crush and he doesn't really know what to do with it. So, <sighs> poor poor war. <laughs> Like I said, I did, after you told me about that, I did a total 180 on my character perspective on him throughout the rest of that game. I was like, oh, Warren, come on, man. I liked you so much up until up until you pointed that out to me. I was like, eh, great. Um, let's see. And it only gets worse. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe better. I don't know. It seems, yeah, there's there's a it lot going on. depends on how you play the game, I guess. Yeah, and how maybe, like, how you view or like, like I said, if I had never saw that, uh, if you had never, like, pointed that, that thing out, I would have viewed Warren in an entirely different light, and it would have made a choice that comes later, like, a lot less heavy in my brain, because I don't think <laughs> it was really that big of a choice, but, yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that when we get to it. I think that'll be on the next episode, because I think that's episode five I'm thinking of, so. Anyway, right. um, Let's see. Anything else interesting in the principal's office that you remember? Um, not too much. That was just one of those things that I wanted to point out because I wasn't sure if you had seen it. You know what? Oh, that... you know what? Though the, the whole entire the handicap fund because that that kind of uh, right. was supposed to be one of those big decisions that you were supposed to make. And you know that one didn't seem like it actually paid off that much in the end when you get right down to it. Um. I'm trying to think of the consequence of it. It doesn't even really happen until you talk to Frank later, but I ended up taking the money. I thought, eh, you know, this, this is a rather rich school. Why not just go ahead and whatever, you know? Yeah. And as we'll get to with the, the next episode, whether you take the money or not, there's something that you end up reading at some point that just kind of makes you think, you know, it probably doesn't really matter that they didn't have this money anyway because they weren't going to do with it what they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 like I didn't feel too bad about it, and like I said, that was like it seemed like such a major thing, and it didn't really pay off like I was hoping in the end. But that's bad. Yeah, something we'll get into later. So, um, and, and maybe part of it is like, like I said, all these like kind of like seemingly benign choices up to this point kind of come back to haunt you at the end of episode two. Like, you know, even whether you, um, whether you rat out Nathan or not to the principal about the gun kind of, you know, bites you in the ass and at the end of episode two, when you're basically accusing somebody of, you know, the whole Kate thing. So I think the, the, not consequence, but the lack of a consequence for that one kind of like, eh, like sort of bummed me out a little bit comparatively compared to something like, like you said, that struck me as like rather insignificant at the time. And then it comes back and like, oh, wow, this, this one really kind of played a choice. So I was maybe expecting a little too much out of every decision that popped up. So. Well, I think the, the issue with that one in particular is, you know, the difference between them just giving you a regular decision and then giving you the decision with that very intense blurry screen with the red filter on it you know you feel like it it has a much more important role to play Mm -hmm. and then when it doesn't it's just a little disappointing i mean it's still cool in my mind just that anything that you pick it does come back later on whether it's just reading a, a note on a bulletin board or a letter in somebody's house or something it's still nice to see that they they definitely were able to cover whatever decisions you made later on yeah, and I think we had gotten into this a little bit in the uh, in the last episode, but like at, 
it didn't it still doesn't feel like a copy and paste job basically because it does affect how something else plays out but it doesn't feel like there's a consequence for like blackwell basically taking it there's there's a there's an interaction you have with frank later that taking the money does certainly i guess have an effect on how the outcome goes but it doesn't feel as like all important as it did or something like that did and like you said that it the presentation of the choice was a lot more dramatic for this than it was for something and i guess like i said that's why it seems so insignificant at the time and maybe that was the game setting you up for that like every every decision you make is going to come back and bite you in the ass one way or the other so oh let's see so that that was just one of those decisions that when i thought about it i was like i'm not sure in what way this would really negatively affect max unless she ended up getting caught in some way yeah that's like out of everything else it all seems like it's something that would directly affect her but this one kind of didn't yeah this one seemed like it had the least amount of consequence for max in the end i you know not when you're playing through, maybe not knowing it, like maybe this comes back and like does something serious to you, you're thinking, but it's like, eh, maybe I'll just take a chance with it and the hell with it. And we'll kind of see what happens from there. Um, I think that's about everything in the office, but you know, I'm glad you did point out that Warren thing. Cause I, I did not pick up on his age. Like I read his file, but I just kind of skimmed over the, I skimmed over the age thing, it, you know, and I'm still really unclear as to what the hell Blackwell is because it seems like it's a college, but then it seems like it, but then it's got like Warren in there who's 16. So, I don't know if maybe he jumped ahead a few years or something, but I don't know. I it's... mean, it is it is one of those really weird things because you don't know if maybe he was just super smart and was just kind of pushed ahead into college early. Uh, then again, Max was uh, was just starting and she turned eighteen shortly after being there. So it's I, I don't know. Is it a high school? I, I think it's just like a specialty school. I'm not I'm not sure how that works though. Yeah, because I I mean. As far as I know, like, I don't think there's anything like that in, like, I guess our sort of education system in America. But maybe, because Don't Nod is, are they American? I'm trying to remember. They're they're French. Maybe there's something like that in France and they just never, like, made the connection or something like that. That there's nothing really like that in the, in the United States. So, maybe there's something like that in France or maybe in Europe. I don't know. See, this would be something that Connor or Luke would be great for to kind of reference off of right now. So... <laughs> you know, our ignorant American ways, basically. It's like, eh, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I, that's the one thing about Blackwell is like, I've never been able to pinpoint like, what the hell kind of school is this? Because it doesn't seem to actually exist in the real world as far as like what it actually encapsulates as far as like students go. It's like, uh, right. Any... Because it's not even like they're just going for whatever specific program, you know, Max had science class and she wasn't, I think Max had science class. She mm-hmm. just had different classes. I think she had some kind of math or something. And, you know, if a student was going to school for photography and it was some kind of specialty school, I can't imagine that they'd be taking regular subjects along with that. Oh, that is our whole college system is, hey, I'm going to be a doctor. Why do I need Shakespeare? But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. So, yeah. But that's that's another that's another conversation entirely is the idiocy <laughs> of our education system sometimes. So anyway, um, so after that, um, it basically ended up breaking into the... Uh, I guess the gym where the swimming pool is. So you get to go see the, uh, where the otters are. If you, or the otters play practice, swim. I don't know what you call that, but anyway, um, which is this, the, uh, the school's swim team, I guess. So, um, there's, let me see. I'm trying to remember like major stuff in here before. Let's see. Do, do, do. 
Can you think of anything major that happens before you uh, take the swim? There's really not much of anything, is there? I mean, no. You just kind of root around. You can go into both the girls' locker room and the boys' locker room, and some of the people have things left in their lockers that you read through, but nothing particularly interesting or damning as far as evidence goes as to what's going on around school. Yeah. You know, there was... Oh, you know what? There was one thing I did see, like, in Max's locker. Um, She did, again, seem like unaware of uh warren's crush on her basically like she wrote something and like just i i don't know if max maybe hasn't had any real like romantic experiences in her life either because she just seemed like blissfully unaware that like you know warren just like worshiped the ground she walked on basically it was this cute (laughs) little note i don't even remember what it was but i just remember like it just kind of set up that like max had no clue that that this guy is like you know head over heels for her basically (laughs) See, and I'm trying to think if you're talking about the um, the Supermax graffiti, but I think that that was at a different point, like not just yet. Yeah, but this was no, there was something in her locker. Damned if I remember. Like I said, damned if I remember what it was. But there's something in her locker. So if you're if you haven't played through this yet, and you don't mind the spoilers or whatever, or if you're just getting through episode three, go into the uh, locker and see what the hell I'm talking about because Max. Max says something in there just, and it makes her just so blissfully, or maybe it's even Warren's locker that I'm thinking of. I don't know. Oh boy, man, I am a, I am a bad podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) So much for a game club. I really should have been taking better notes about this stuff. So anyway, so, um, once you kind of wander through, you end up going to take a dip in the pool with Chloe and you kind of, uh, reflect a little bit on life. There's not really that much that happens, I think, in the pool, even in terms of like setting up max and chloe's relationship it kind of does but not too crazy it's more of uh them kind of reminiscing and talking about being best friends again and how good it is and then you know i I, granted the whole reason you're doing this is still to find rachel um but there's really not a whole lot of i guess forward movement in terms of getting the story going it's it's more of a sort of I don't want to say like maybe like a reintroduction of what the whole purpose of what you're doing is, but that's kind of what it feels like to me. I can't. I mean, the, I think one of the big points of um, of episode three was really just uh, Max getting in Chloe's good graces again, and you know that's probably where that decision really comes into it. Is you you know saying, hey, let's take the handicap fund money to help you out. Um, so it is just really setting up their friendship, relationship, whatever you make it to be. Because, you know, I, I feel like Chloe's one of those people that does hold grudges for an extremely long amount of time. So this is just one of those things that you just really have to use to kind of pry away that wall that she's put up again. Yeah, you sort of have to use or have to, like, know what you know about Chloe and sort of use it, not against her, but use it to your advantage. Yeah, exactly. All right, and... Mitz swim, um, there's a, or they had gotten dressed again, I think, already. Um, anyway, they get out, they get dressed, and the guards come in. And you end up in probably the most awkward stealth segment I think I've ever played in a video game before. (laughs) Even, even, like, even, uh, the stealth segment in Wind Waker, like, it feels, like, less clunky than this. This was definitely a little strange, especially since, like, there's really, really no consequence for it since you could rewind time. It just kind of felt like... Oh, just a quick stumbling block. I don't know that it was an entirely necessary part, but I guess it was an interesting, like, breaking up of the pace. And I'll take that over searching for bottles any day, so. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, with that, they definitely could have probably just turned it into a short cut scene of them maybe hiding and ducking around the guards and everything instead of the weird, confusing way they went about it. I mean, it definitely took me a couple times to realize, hey, just go over to this bathroom and hide in the stall. And as soon as he walks by, you're pretty much in the clear to get out of there. Yeah, I was even thinking, like, maybe there's something you use to, like, distract him or something. Like, you throw a can out into the swimming pool area, and he goes to check it out, and then you can run out that way. But there's nothing really like that. It really is just, oh, you're supposed to go in the stall, hide, rewind, and then go out that way. You know, it's like there's really... And then, you know, basically just wait him out. So there's, like, really nothing to it. It does... I I guess the segment sort of does come into play later in the game, but that's a topic for the next episode. So... Or next episode of the podcast, not the next episode of the game. So, um... After that, they go back to Chloe's Chloe's house and go to sleep. Um, They end up waking up in the same bed together, which, you know, you can take the implications for what you will, you dirty... Filthy animals, you. They're just friends sleeping in the same bed. Um, uh, let's see. You get ready, and actually, kind of oddly, you know, actually, let me let me bring this up real quick. This is something I actually really enjoy about this game, as far as like how it treats the characters. It or Chloe has some of Rachel's clothes in there. Never really saying that there was anything going on, like romantically or however you want to look at it between Chloe and Rachel, but there's, there's always these hints at it, but they never really smack you in the face with that. There was a relationship going on between the two of them. I kind of respect how they never really like say one way or the other that, you know, they were romantically involved. Like there's always maybe like certain conversations. There's these hints that there was, but there's never like, I don't think outright said that, you know, Chloe and Rachel had any sort of like, romantic or sexual relationship with each other yeah i really like that they left that up to the interpretation of the the player really take it however you want to and i mean throughout the game the way that i ended up looking at it was is rachel was probably just you know using yet another person and maybe i don't know didn't want to hurt chloe but just kind of like fed into it or whatever just to trying to think of how I want to explain this because I mean we're going to be covering a bit of that when we're talking about episode four anyway with the whole situation with Frank and borrowing money and all that Mm -hmm. so I mean it just almost seems like Chloe was just yet another person who kind of like fell for her tricks yeah yeah and we'll get into it a little bit but you know later but like part of me like the less or the more I learned about Rachel the less sympathetic she felt as a character so and we never that's exactly how I felt yeah, we never up to this point have like really seen Rachel or anything. It just seemed like everyone liked Rachel, but kind of the more you go further, it's like the less, like it's yeah, sympathetic. I think is the best thing I can do or best term I can come up with as far as talking about her goes. So, um, and uh, and a rather odd little thing here, like Chloe starts giving Max some crap and then tells her like, "I dare you to kiss me" or something like that, and you're basically given the choice of kissing her or not. And I don't, this is another one I don't think played into it too, too much outside of like Chloe changing her background from Rachel to, to Max basically in the, in the long run. I I mean, it gets brought up much later in the game, but I don't think it's anything like crazy as far as big decisions go. I thought it would actually play out a little more, but I guess there's, there's only a certain way these stories can go. So they can't have it change. Like you can't have like these huge multiple branching paths to come to the same conclusion. So maybe I was weighing a little bit too much on that one. So, 
I ended up going. The only, the oh, only immediate thing that I kind of saw from that was uh, the text messages that he ended up getting from Warren um, saying something about how Chloe got in contact with them, basically laying claim to Max. Um, so it kind of seemed like his moment of finally getting like, OK, I really don't have a chance and I'll back off now. Although, you know what? I OK, so I I, I chose to kiss Chloe because I thought at this point, like Max kind of felt like she was coming out of her show a little bit more. She was a little bit more bold than she was. And I thought, well, this will be kind of like a, maybe if I was Max, like this is, this would be what I do, would do just to kind of show Chloe like, hey, I'm just as crazy as you are, you know? And yeah. Warren still like kind of like came after Max basically in, in my playthrough. Like maybe I didn't brush him off in a certain other, or in other parts or something like that. And maybe you did. I don't know. Like I, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like I said, kind of feel like it's leading poor uh poor warren along there but maybe you were i mean it's a so. possibility that changing the grade on his test had something to do with it or um well you know i didn't change I his grade know. actually like i found you could and then i was like you know you know what i'm not gonna i'm not gonna change the grade i just rewound it and left it i was like the guy's got an a he doesn't need an a plus it's he'll be okay you know <laughs> he, he got right. a 95 or whatever he doesn't need a hundred he's, he's he's gonna be okay with the 95 <laughs> so but yeah, I don't know what I don't know what what really causes that. So, um let's see. I'm trying to think what else goes on in there. There's there's not really a lot that goes on in the house up until or on the upstairs portion of it. Let's see. Yeah, there's really not a whole lot else. Let's see. Um if you have, just just a little like inside the uh inside the making of this podcast, we're actually kind of scrolling through IGN's walkthrough to kind of remind us of everything that happened because it's a little hard to keep track of everything when you have an episodic game like this. So, um, I can't really think of anything else like too, too important that happens in the house off the top of my head here though. Let's see. I mean, the only thing that I think is it's, it's kind of the start of, um, after Max does put on, uh, Rachel's clothes, it's kind of the start of people, making the weird mistake of thinking that she's Rachel, which yeah. it's just very bizarre. Like, you know, this girl's been missing. She didn't just show up and happens to be standing behind you in your kitchen. It's just yeah, a really, then, really, really weird connection to make. Yeah. And then like, I think, uh, you, you never really get a, like a good, like, I guess, perspective of what Rachel is like body type wise, but she seems like she's a little bit, I guess, taller and I don't want to say like for lack of a better term but like curvy I guess compared to Max and Max I mean Max is this very like kind of tiny framed you know young girl and Rachel kind of seems like she's a little bit more in her like womanhood I don't know where I'm trying to go but you know what I mean it's like body type wise like they don't yeah. even seem to match with each other they just saw the clothes and like oh hey that's Rachel oh no it's not Rachel because like, only one person in the in Arcadia Bay has ever worn a red plaid shirt I mean yeah yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I'm sure. a little weird for me because it wasn't just Joyce that did it I know that um Nathan did it at some point and I think that somebody else may have too I think Frank comments on it later too that like just because you dress like her doesn't mean you are her or something right. to that effect. So yeah, yeah. Like I said, that 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 whole thing was just really weird. That I'm glad you brought that up because I don't. I think I probably would have totally forgotten about that. But yeah, that's it's definitely an odd thing that like everyone seems to like. Oh hey, there's a red flannel shirt. Nobody's ever wore that before around here in the Northwest America. It's like must eh, be okay. Rachel Amber. She shrunk yeah. a few inches and she cut and dyed her hair and. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot more mousy than she was <laughs> so it's like okay yeah, yeah, yeah. 
she 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 vanished and then came back as an entirely different person with a different persona and different hairstyle and yeah it's like okay i don't think that really worked out there but yeah i think it and was this is the one outfit that she ever wore yeah exactly she only ever wore one shirt whereas you know we established this before like obviously or like everyone basically seems to have a bunch of different clothes like they actually take the time to develop like people change clothes people don't wear the same thing in the, throughout the entirety of the game so Let's see. I still love that though because one thing that I, I think I may have mentioned before that I just am not too into with cartoons and everything is just how they never do change that when I feel like it would be so easy even if it's just as much as just changing the color of the shirt they're wearing which I feel like is kind of what they did with Max and Chloe because obviously Chloe's outfit was the exact same thing every episode she's just wearing the the black button up with the tank top underneath, with the jeans and the suspenders, the hat, everything. The only thing that really changed was the actual design on the tank top. Same with Max with just the hoodie, the jeans, the converse, and then the shirt happened to change. So I like that they even made any kind of effort whatsoever to change those shirts. Not to mention, I really do like the designs they came up with in this game. Yeah, I totally agree. Like I said, my, my favorite was from episode two where she went into the shower or she's going into the shower and she had the little the little chicks on there that looked like the little Loco Roco characters. I thought that was like absolutely adorable. Yeah. So, um, let's see. So, uh, Chloe, uh, this is the first time you actually meet Joyce too, isn't it? Uh, Chloe's mother? Um, no, you talk to her in the diner in episode two that's when you're right, waiting for right. Chloe to come back and meet with you. That's right. This is the first time you actually see her in the home setting, though. Okay, that's where I was thinking. Right. So, yeah, um, basically Chloe and Joyce seems to get in a fight again, which I don't know. It, it seems to be like, and I guess that is sort of the part of the like rebellious nature of Chloe, but like it seems like you can't go anywhere without Chloe getting into some kind of trouble. Like she can't not argue with anyone. I think Joyce even makes a comment as such, like, you know, basically like the parent just saying, Hey, will you calm down? The world's not against you, okay? Stop acting like it is. I, I know that that's the way that Chloe acts, but I was just trying to think the best of her in that situation and thinking that she was trying to cause that diversion to get Max to be able to sneak into the um into the garage. So she could look through uh, through David's stuff again. Yeah, I can kind of yeah, I, I see that, but I also think it maybe wasn't purposefully done. It just sort of was a happenstance of the usual Chloe being Chloe thing. So, <laughs> but that's yeah, probably I mean, yeah, what that, happened. Yeah, and maybe, maybe you know it's probably a a, a amalgamation of the both of them there. <laughs> so, um, let's see. You go through, you find some stuff there, and. David ends up walking into the house. Right, this is where David comes back into the house, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Chloe and David end up getting into it. Uh, David's the stepfather, in, in case you're like me and you're having a hard time keeping track of characters because you're dumb like I am. Um, so they end up getting in a fight and you end up having a choice of who you can side with in the fight. Um, either David telling Chloe to kind of back down a little bit or you go on the go on the offensive, basically. And jump on Chloe's side and start making, not, I don't want to say accusations because the proof's all right there, but basically bringing to it Joyce's attention everything that David's been doing kind of behind their back. Um, ultimately, I chose to kind of side with Chloe because I felt like David's been kind of creepy enough throughout this whole thing. And it's been really weird that he's been spying on teenage girls basically this whole time. So I was like, you know, maybe there's something creepy going on with David that we need to kind of bring to the forefront. And I don't think. I don't think Joyce needs to be with her because Joyce comes across as just this like 
infinitely like likable person. So it seems like nobody's got a bad thing to say about Joyce outside of I think the jackass trucker. Maybe that was in the diner. So ah, screw him. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree with you there. So, um, so yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I wasn't I necessarily that. thinking that David had anything to do with you know Rachel disappearing or anything, but I still just thought it was very weird how you know he wasn't in the military anymore and he was in this position just to be in power of these. Yeah, exactly. Like above these, these young girls and, you know, even the young boys too. And then spying on them and everything. It just seemed kind of weird outside of whatever happened to, to Rachel. Like maybe this, this whole entire town just has like a bunch of creeps and weirdos in it. Yeah. And, and, and I definitely didn't mean to uh, imply that I thought he had anything to do with it. I just thought, like, there is something going on with this guy. And it just kind of creeped me out. Like, I didn't like where it was going, I think. So I kind of was like, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and turn on it. Because, like I said, I like Joyce a lot. She seemed like a just just a down-to-earth good person. I was like, you know what? David seems like he's kind of a creep. So let's... Not not the not the same creepy vibe that I got from Mr. Jefferson. But it was still a creepy vibe, you know? Like, So I was like, eh, let's just go ahead and... And jump on Chloe's side. Plus, Chloe's your friend. You just stole a few thousand dollars from a handicap fund for her. I think maybe if you did that, you probably should jump on her side in the middle of an argument. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It would be kind of weird if now is the time that you decide to go against her. Yeah, it's like I I, I took the uh, I took the blame for the for, you know for the pot. I went along with stealing you know a few thousand dollars out of a handicap fund now i'm gonna go ahead and like oh no i'm gonna side with david it's like what the that's a that's a weird <laughs> thing to get into <laughs> it's it like, would be a completely different s- way of playing the game like max just is a little psychotic you know actually that might be an interesting thing to do just go all over the place with her and be like nope I, it's like nope i'm not gonna get your back oh i got your back nope not this time it's like okay that's weird why are you doing this max you schizophrenic <laughs> little thing you so anyway, I can imagine um, the results are worse for Kate of anybody. Oh God, yeah. I well, I think we know what the results would have been for poor Kate. <laughs> so yeah, there's only one or one or, there's only one, there's only the two results, and I think ultimately that would have been a bad result there for poor Kate. So um, yeah, let's see. So after this, you end up going to the diner. Um, you know, one little thing that I thought was actually kind of interesting was like the. The the interaction you could have with the truck driver, I thought, was kind of interesting. Like, I don't know why they did it. Like, the way they did it. Um, to, throughout the game, you get these optional photos. And I think I think we've covered it a little bit. Maybe maybe we'd even talk about it in the in the first episode where we were setting the game up. But these optional photos you can get basically for trophies or achievement points or whatever. And to get the one where you take a picture of a truck, you actually have to talk, talk to the truck driver a certain way, rewind time, get him, you know, get this information to him. And then you can go ahead and he'll let you take a picture of it. But I thought it was kind of a strange choice, like how that interaction kind of played out. Like it went from very aggressive to Max says one thing about knowing what the truck is like. And then he's like, oh yeah, that's okay. You obviously know everything about trucks. It's like, oh, okay. Yes, because you, 18 year old girl, know a hell of a lot about these trucks. Just out of nowhere. You didn't mention it to me the last time we had a conversation like in trucking at all. It, it, yep. it is totally, in my mind, one of those conversations that they slipped in there just for the sake of having an optional photo. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I really, I think that's all it was. And granted, I think it is kind of interesting because you kind of, get, kind of get a little bit more sense of the truck driver giving you a little bit more of a sense of, like, Arcadia Bay as a whole. You don't just get, like, you know, 
maybe a little bit more outside of Max's perspective of how everything's going. And then um, as I'm kind of scrolling through the thing, you can kind of see the gas prices to like, it's like four or something a gallon in there. So it kind of gives you a perspective too on like how rough it is over there. Like nothing financially seems to be going well in that town. So because, you know, yeah, gas prices like or, that. Or yeah. France totally has no idea what gas prices are like around here these days. Although back yeah, in 2013, yeah. I don't really remember if they were that high. It could I don't be. Think they, I don't think they were. I mean, we might have been creeping up on the edge of $4, I think, but maybe. So maybe it's not that far off. I don't know. But it just seems like the, well, I don't know, maybe maybe the detail. Because I'm looking at, you know, looking through the walkthrough picture, you can kind of see the picture of the four something a gallon there. And it's like, or I think it's 407 a gallon. And it's, it seems like it's maybe trying to hint a little bit on just how bad things are over there. Because, it, you know, the whole thing seems kind of desolate and there's this empty gas station, or not empty gas station, but, you know, nobody buying gas there. And it's $4 and something cents a gallon. So it's like, yeah, maybe it's kind of a hint that, you know, things aren't going so well. I think Life is Strange does a lot of these little subtlety things that it, you can totally miss. And like you said, with the whole Warren thing, he's only 16. Like, I totally missed that. And I was... I went through every single file and read them, and it was just a detail I missed. So, yeah, I mean, it's just something that obsessive that I do. If I'm playing a game at a certain time and I see that they start mentioning like characters' birthdays and stuff, for some reason I always decide to like look through and see like, oh, whose birthday is supposedly coming up soon. So that was probably the only reason why I noticed it and you didn't. Okay. Yeah, I would have never even thought about that. That is kind of interesting. So, um, the other thing too is there is a. Let me see. I think it was episode two. Yeah, because that was the last time we were at the diner. Um, we run into a homeless woman, and you actually kind of tell her about what's going on, which I thought was an interesting thing. Like, he, you know, Max doesn't really tell anybody. She was kind of ready to tell Warren about the time travel thing or rewinding time. I don't know. I guess we can just call it time traveling, but her ability to rewind time a little bit. And, but you kind of just go ahead and tell this homeless woman about this crazy dream you had and how everything screwed up. And it's like you confide in this woman, and maybe just because it's a, you can tell her the craziest thing and no one's going to believe her if she says anything because she's just going to come across because or come across as this like crazy old homeless woman. Of course she said this girl said that she's, you know, seen the town destroyed by a tornado and can rewind time or whatever. So it's like, yeah, uh-huh. Okay, sure crazy lady. You go ahead and drink your bottle and go and get back to us later. <laughs> it probably just um, helps her have somebody else to vent to besides Chloe. Yeah. And I think it. I think yeah, that's a good point too. And I think a lot of it has to do with the the maybe non or you know inconsequential uh, conversation with her because, like I said, there's no one's gonna no one's really gonna buy that this girl would have said that. It's like oh no, because if anyone had say I guess confronted Max about that, like hey, this homeless lady said you did this. It's like no, no, they're just she's just the crazy old homeless lady, you know. So. Another thing too, like I noticed, like I really actually kind of like the little detail they did with the, um, like the photo op that you would end up getting if you talk to the, um, the homeless lady again, is the like the vortex of ants that are sitting there, like on the dead bird, which is an interesting little thing. Except the vortex isn't in the center of the ants, which is I thought a strange choice. Or the uh, I mean, it's just it one of those things of that's bird. kind of a call to the, in my, what I thought was just kind of another call to the the whole Vortex Club thing, and then also the tornado, so just the, the, the whole swirling thing. It's just oh, one yeah, of those absolutely. things that they want to keep having callbacks to. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. It's just, I thought it was weird that the, the center mass isn't the bird, you know? 
the bird is yeah. if you kind of look at the picture it's off it's off to the like let's say like what the 10 o'clock area if you're looking at it like a, at a clock face so it's kind of a kind of a strange little thing but yeah i did i did like that the the symbolism there where they brought that back up so oh let's see bum 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 um okay and this is the this is the part where you kind of start getting into uh frank's stuff a little bit here uh let's see do 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 uh, oh yeah, there's a lot of little details here too, where you can talk to a couple people and you'll learn more about the Prescotts. Um, the the family that more or less kind of owns Arcadia Bay, it seems, and they're doing a very poor job of owning it since the town seems to be in uh, in the middle of a depression. <laughs> but um, you kind of can talk to the cop that's sitting there, and he'll you know he'll tell you about the Prescotts and won't won't go into so much detail as saying that the police force is basically you know, have, or has been bought off by the Prescotts, but it kind of hint at it that like, yeah, the Prescotts own us basically. So, and then, uh, yeah, yeah you can they're, also talk they're to pretty David. much immune to any kind of police, you know, cutting them down from whatever they're doing at this point. Yeah. Which is rather unfortunate. So, I mean, it's just like no consequences for any, for any of anybody in that family. And as we'll learn later on in the game, there really needed to be some consequences for some of these people here. So, especially one in particular. But anyway, um, yeah, you could also talk to Nathan, and he there's really no outside of bringing up some stuff to Frank. Like, man, you don't get anything out of Nathan. Like, he just still comes across as a raging lunatic, and he's an asshole. So it's like, okay, well, there's. I thought maybe there'd be a little something like, you know, you talk to some of the other Vortex Club members, and they kind of have the, these little redeeming qualities about them when you talk to them, but ooh, boy, nothing. Nothing like that going on with, uh, with Nathan. He is just an asshole through and through. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that definitely is part of his whole entire obvious mental issues. He just doesn't seem to know how to communicate with people properly. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really I don't know. Like it does set it it does set that up pretty well, but it also is like it makes having any sort of like maybe sympathy towards Nathan at all like nigh impossible. It's just like ugh, this guy. I mean, you know, there's something wrong with him, but at the same time, it's like God, what a jackass. You know, it's like yeah, all of this. Like you got the whole town handed to you on a plate, and you're just still an asshole. Okay, but I mean, I guess that's eh, maybe I'm generalizing, but that seems to be the case with a lot of like overly rich people brought up with a silver spoon in their mouth, basically. So, yeah, that uh, whole rich see. character trope that they bring to pretty much every game, TV show, movie, whatever. Anyone who's rich is just kind of a dick about it all the time, and they always have that family that's just in too high of power over everyone. But um, yeah. one of the things that I wanted to make sure I ask you is uh, how you went about getting those keys from Frank, because I want to know if you ended up getting probably the best line of the game. Um, I basically rewound rewound it where he put the keys on the table, I think, and she grabbed them or whatever. I'm trying to I think that's how it happened. Um, do, do fill me in on the best line of the game. I do want to hear this, actually. <laughs> Oh, God, because it's just so damn funny. It's one of those things that they bring back later on in the game, too. Um, I'm not sure why I thought this was going to do anything initially, but you can grab the plate of beans, those horribly disgusting-looking beans that he's eating, and you just dump them on the floor. Not really sure what she was aiming to do with that, but you do that, and just <laughs> his, 
his whole entire line, uh, are you fucking kidding me? Those were my beans. I was eating those beans. And just like the way he says it, and he's so serious. Like, I know Frank's a little on edge about everything, but just the way he negatively responded to his beans being poured on the floor like that. Yeah. yeah. It brought up this whole entire Frank and beans meme that started all over the place and everything. And I just thought it was one of the best things to come out of the episode. Oh, you know what? I never, I never saw that Frankie Beans thing. So that's okay. You know what? I and you know what? I wouldn't have even thought about that. I think until you brought that up. So that is kind of interesting. Oh God, what? That is a weird little. That's a weird little Easter egg they threw in there. So yeah, I think I basically brought up the blood oath or whatever it was that got you to get the keys. I think. Oh, God, I, don't, I, I, don't I don't remember that. The like, if you talk to, uh, if you talk to Nathan, he mentions this blood oath that uh, Rachel and. Uh, uh, Frank took together and it's it's a little weird I mean it's it's almost kind of culty like I like I when he says blood oath I, I imagine like the two of them like slitting their hands and like putting their hands together and be like you know just some weird thing I, I get this old like Simpsons reference in my head of like Bart and somebody else separating and god I hope it's the Simpsons otherwise I'm sound like really even more dumb than I am but like they <laughs> spit in their hands together and they like you know, grab each other's hands and like, now we're spit brothers, we're friends forever or something like that. That's kind of what it, like, that's what put, or that's what the image put in my head when I hear blood oath is that they basically cut their hands open or whatever and do that. I'm like, oh, that's just weird. So, but I guess, you know, like, like we said, we kind of learn more and more about Rachel. It seems like she'd be willing to do kind of anything to get what she wanted, basically. So it's like, oh, I wouldn't put it past her to be willing to do that. Yeah, she's just a very manipulative person, and it's just one of those things you just find out more and more about as you go on, and you just become yeah. a lot less sympathetic of her being missing, and at least for me, I just didn't really care if she came back at any point. I mean, I wanted to find yeah. out what happened, but I was just like, you know, I don't think I could do it without Rachel Lambert or ever meeting her. Yeah, and you know, let me, let me let me say this. I think she's the worst named character in the game. Rachel Amber. I mean, it's just like such a weird. It never really rolls off the tongue. I think because it's like her last name is Amber. It's like Rachel Amber. It's like you couldn't have it just. I don't know. It never really struck me as like. It's like you couldn't have come up with anything else but Rachel Amber. I mean, stick with Rachel. Rachel's fine, but just the last name Amber. It's the two of them. I just in my head don't mesh well together for some reason. So every time somebody would say Rachel, never Amber, never sort of trust like, somebody with two first names is what I always say. Yeah, they end up being uh, serial killers most of the time. Or no, that's that's three. That's three names. That's three. That's right. That's right. What's his? Uh, God, I'm going. You know, I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna bring up what I was just gonna say because I'm totally blanking on the <laughs> names, and I'm just gonna make myself look even dumber if I say that. So anyway, getting back to the uh, getting back to the game at hand here. Um, I guess the next thing you do is you go into uh, Frank's RV. You I don't want to say break in because you don't break in because you ha- you effectively stole the keys from Frank. Which there doesn't seem to be any consequence for in the long run, which is kind of odd. Um, and the dog, what's the, what was the dog's name again? I keep wanting to say dog beat. I don't, Pompadou. I don't even play Fallout. Pompadou. Was... Like I keep, I don't even play Fallout, and I, I want to call him dog beat for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, Pompadou. Like either, either you... one's a very very strange name, but yeah, Pompadou. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pompadou seems a little pretentious i suppose for frank's taste but i think rachel named him if i remember right yeah i don't i don't remember i know that he mentioned it but I, i'm not sure if it was rachel that did that i just know that they had that was one of the conversations you have in um 
in the diner, I believe, is about him rescuing uh, Pompadour from being a fighting dog or whatever. Yeah, I just don't. I think right. at that point he probably mentions why he named the dog what he did. Yeah, I think there's some there's something in there about it, and I don't know what it was, but I mean, ultimately, I don't think it's really that important. So, but it it just it's a very strange name for a guy like Frank. I thought so. Um, yeah, but even anyway, stranger than that, I thought it, it was a pretty strange decision that they gave you. You know, you open the RV door and and the dog comes out and. Honestly, I don't know anybody who would choose to throw the the treat that you get for the dog into the street to intentionally hurt the dog. I don't like, it I just think the like choice it's really even had an option. I think it's I, I think the maybe the the reasoning on that is you throw it one direction or the other, and maybe if you throw it towards the street, it's further away and he doesn't see you anymore. So it's kind of that out of sight, out of mind thing. Whereas if you throw it the other way, Pompadour can still see you. Like, all he has to do is turn his head and he can see you still. So maybe he, you know, finished the bone quickly and is like, oh, wait, that's right. I was going to bite your face off. Hold on. So I don't yeah, think, I I don't mean, think the, the first thing I thought was, yeah, you're, you're basically trying to get him to go into traffic. <laughs> yeah. And that happens if you throw it into traffic. So, yeah, that's, ugh, God. That, I mean, I definitely yeah, I, didn't try. But I'm... <laughs> yeah, I, well, I. I threw it the other way first, and then I was like, oh, what happens if you throw it the other way? And I threw it in the street, and I'm like, oh, I see where this is going. And I just was like, okay. As soon as the option came up, I was like, rewind time. I'm not going to – this poor dog, it's like it has – it seems to have had a tough life, and it lives with Frank. So let's let's at least let the poor dog yeah. live. Let's not have him get run over by a truck. So I think he's trying um, to take good care of him. Just let him live his life. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, he – you know, that's the nice thing about dogs. Dogs don't know that their owners are dumb, so – they're just eternally grateful that you found a home for them. So, um, right. Af- once you get in, you start looking through the RV and you really, and I think this is sort of the turning point for me with Rachel's like, you really start finding out Rachel's kind of a, like I said, manipulative, a little, uh, little sneak, I think is the nice, nice way of putting it. Like she, she kind of like, like you said, like basically like running a game on Chloe that they never really say specifically what happened, but like, you find a picture, we'll say rather, I don't want to say intimate, but maybe a rather intimate picture of uh, Frank and Rachel and some other, some other, I don't want to say damning evidence, but some evidence that Frank and Rachel had something going on. Um, and, you know, you present it to Chloe and Chloe doesn't take it very well. She, she totally takes it as someone who, who has been cheated on, you know, mm-hmm. like, talking about the whole she lied to me and all this stuff and it's like well that doesn't really seem like how a friend would react about a friend dating somebody behind their back unless there was something else going on but again it is just a large part of that whole entire Rachel being very manipulative and playing both sides of you know Frank and Chloe yeah yeah and that also like I said it's I think this is about as um hit you in the face with it as it gets as to as to uh whether there was something physical or even like emotional going on between Rachel or I guess not emotional obviously there's something emotional with their friends but romantically even between Chloe and Rachel so it, it you know like you said it obviously or not obviously but there's that you know she takes it a little bit differently than if you had just found out like oh this person is had told me they're not dating them and but they are it's like you normally would be like well that's dumb why would you have lied to me about that like you know 
Whereas if you were actually in some sort of relationship of one sense or another, yeah, you probably would take that the way Chloe did. So I think that's about as in your face with it as it gets. It never really says outright, but it does kind of give the implication that, yeah, there was something going on between Rachel and Chloe that never, never really gets brought to the forefront more than this. Let's see. Um, also, I think if you had the gun taken away, I was reading on a wiki or a game or a game fact um, that you find the gun. I think that uh, Frank will have taken from you if you let Frank take the gun from you in the junkyard scene in the second episode. Right, so you I do. You do find yeah. it back there again, and you and you even still have the option of not taking the gun back once you find it in the RV. Oh, really? wow. Okay. I didn't even, I thought you just find it and take it. Oh, well, that's interesting. See, like I said, there's these little things in this game that like, I just, there's so many like little details in there that I just love that like stuff like that. It's just like, okay, that's, that's a fascinating little thing that like you can get a totally different, not totally, but you can get a very different experience playing the game and your interpretations of how things kind of play out can be vastly different based on these tiny little things that they throw into the game. I mean, this is the most Easter eggy Easter egg of, of anything in this game. So, or <laughs> any game I've really played in a long time. So, um, Oh, I guess really that's about it. You, you know, you find out this stuff about Rachel and like, she was raring to go to LA and leave, leave Chloe there. Like, like I said, she basically just used Chloe to get what she wanted and yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, let's see. Once, once that's over, you end up going back to Chloe's house, right? And that's where this whole, uh, or, looking at the picture thing happens? No. Is that where it you're, what uh, that? you're in Chloe's car and then she's just kind of going off on her rant about how everybody leaves her, you know. That's right. Her dad left her, Rachel left her, Max left her. And, you know, depending on how that conversation goes, she can leave you at school pretty pissed off to the point where she's not even going to say goodbye. You just get out of the truck and you just go back to your dorm. And um, that's where I believe Max starts looking through old pictures. And then she just has like that weird new power that she finds where she's able to travel through time from a picture that she looks at. Yeah, that's that, you know, that's another odd little thing. Like, I kind of like that they introduce all these powers that um that max gets as she kind of goes along like she has a sort of uh, not to not to borrow the term from star wars but she has an awakening of sorts with this thing like it's just sort of like the powers sort of seem to expand as the game goes on which doesn't really seem to happen too often like normally it's like you get these things they manifest themselves right away but her powers like continually seem to evolve as the game goes on and granted of course it's a uh it's sort of a gameplay mechanic thing like oh hey let's just keep adding all this stuff in this way narratively we can justify having this happen but i think it's i think it's handled pretty pretty naturally and intuitively like they don't really like oh hey let's go ahead and do this crazy thing like max even seems confused as to why it's happening at the time so let's see and um and as you sort of let on here she looks at a picture of was it no oh, geez was it chloe and uh, and her dad or was it chloe and max it was a picture that uh, Chloe's dad took of Chloe and Max. Okay. So you end up like, and this I thought was like the worst, um, like implementation of the actual power was like having to like match up the thumbsticks together. Like, oh, that just, I did not like that at all. But because it seemed like no matter like, 
how often I sat there trying to move stuff around or whatever. Like I couldn't get it to focus properly. And there was no, it didn't feel like there was any proper like trigger, like, Oh, Hey, this, the left thumbsticks on the right or is in the right spot. So leave it there. And then like, you know, maybe like a little vibration or something to let you know, like, Hey, that's good. Leave it there. And then move the other one. And I don't even know like gameplay, like what that's supposed to be sort of like representing it. Like I would think like, Oh, maybe like you focus an eye or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking is kind of just like a, like how you would turn, you know, your lens to focus is just kind of what they were trying to mimic, I think, especially since you were looking at a photo. But I do understand right. what you're saying is maybe they could have given you some kind of indication that you're on the right track to get in this focus properly. Instead, you could just keep twirling those sticks around all live long day and, you know, until you happen Never to get that it. combination from left yeah, exactly. You just get that combination of left and right. It, it it was a little weird. The first time I did it, it was definitely a problem. Yeah, I, I couldn't figure out why it was doing that. And actually, my wife was sitting next to me when I was watching it or while I was playing it, watching it kind of gives you a sense of sometimes how you feel about the game. But um, while I was playing it and like I sat there like struggling, I kind of kept put, moving my thumbs and she's like, what is this doing? I said, well, you're supposed to focus this. And she was like, well, you can't find the trigger point for it. Like nope and like i sit there like it would seem to be like you know i would do one at a time it would seem to be the most focused it could get and then i would move around the you know the right thumbstick as much as i could and wouldn't hit i'm like okay so obviously the left thumbstick isn't where it's it's supposed to be so it's just like uh it was something i struggled with and i was just like okay this they should have they should have figured out something better to do with this i mean maybe even well no the xbox one controller doesn't have motion sensibility or motion sensing so i was thinking like maybe even like tilt the controller i would have even taken that at that point over that because it's just like oh you can just turn the controller a certain way and have it do that but the two thumbsticks it just seemed like maybe was trying to i don't know like the best i could figure is like you were trying to like do it like where you're focusing your eyes a little bit but like it's such a weird thing like it never really felt like it matched properly like it's like oh hey i'm gonna go ahead and like move my left eye off to the left and then hold that and then move my right eye up to the upper right corner of, and it's like, it's just, yeah, it just seemed kind of strange. So anyway, um, the whole purpose of well, this, it brings you back to a, well, dad. <laughs> okay. You know, real quick, I got to bring this up. Did you notice like, as the game went on, they kept saying like life is, and nobody ever said strange. It, they'd say funny or weird or something like that. I was like waiting for the, like the wink and the nod, like life is strange. You know, they never do that. I, that was one There's of my f- favorite things is how they just kind of like tease the players into thinking we're going to do that cheesy ass thing where we mention the title of what it is that you're watching, playing, whatever mm-hmm. in the actual thing. It, it it always gets me. It's so stupid every time they do it, but I love it. It's kind of like the yeah. Wilhelm stream being put in, put in everything. I mean, you're like, seriously, guys, you're doing this. But at the same time, it kind of just like makes you smile because, hey, I recognize that. I've heard that in a million different things before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely kind of like the, like I said, I, I was, I was let down, or I would have been let down if they did say like, oh, life is strange, because I was sitting there thinking like, oh, there's the wake of the nod that, hey, hey, this is a game, and life is weird, you know, it's like, oh, okay, cool, it's like, they didn't, they didn't actually do that wink and a nod thing, like, hey, you know, life is strange, ah, ah, you know, the game you're playing, life is strange, get it, get, okay, good, okay, so... <laughs> Anyway, so you end up going to the flashback to when this picture was taken, which, you know, is basically every time. Is this this, yeah, this is the first time it actually happens, right? Where the photo thing. Yeah, where you, like, look at a photo. You yeah. can, like, rewind time back to that, back to that area. Um, 
and this is basically the day that uh, Chloe's dad dies. Um, you go back to the scene, and it's kind of it's a little tough because you see Chloe as this totally different person. Like, you know, I mean, I don't want to say normal because you know what the hell is normal, but she's, you know, she has like a more, I guess, normal mainstream sort of wardrobe and look to her rather than the sort of like the punk look that she's rocking. Oh God. I need to learn how to, I need to learn how to talk. (laughs) She but just yeah, seems to have like she, a, a brighter personality, meaning like the way that she acts and also the way that she dresses and everything. Yeah, there you go. That's a much better way of putting it. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and let you host the uh, the next segment, so because I'm terrible <laughs> at this. Anyway, so you can you can go ahead and like flip through the house and everything, and you get that fateful phone call where uh, Chloe's dad has to go pick up the mother, or you know, go pick up Joyce, and you keep going to rewind time to keep it from happening. Um, there's a I don't want to say there's a lot of little things, but there's a lot of little things that you can kind of find in here. And I thought the uh, adorable thing was that he's got the little, uh, like, key finder thing. So it's like, you can't just hide the keys somewhere. You actually have to put them in the sink to kill that key finder thing. So it's like, well, that's, that's an interesting choice there. It's like, because the first time we did it, I'm like, oh, I got the keys and mo- uh, hid them somewhere else. And he's like, oh, I got you. Don't you worry, keys. You can't hide from me. It's like, oh, well, that didn't. And I happened to walk by the sink and I was like, surely they don't mean to. And I put it in there and she dropped the keys in the sink. And I was like, yep, that's what they meant you to do. <laughs> yeah, and stupidly, the first time that I did it, I could not figure out where I was supposed to put these keys. So I just was the person who was just caught like, me holding them and it was just kind of like max you moron what are you doing give me my keys you know so i just (laughs) those things were just like really stupid doing that but yeah Yeah. what i ended up doing was of course putting it in the sink but it was one of those things too where i the reason why i got caught is because i was like no i know what they want me to do they want me to hide the keys so we can't go pick up joyce and he he will live but i know that the what's going to happen after this is going to be so bad like I was just outright refusing to do it because I just didn't want to change that because it's such a big thing to change. But of course, this is one of those times where you're really not given a decision on how things play out. Right. And I think I think it kind of gets back to like, uh, like, I don't want to say Max's sort of like morality to a point, but like she just wants the best for Chloe and she sees how everything is like nothing seems to go Chloe's way. I mean, you know, just in the last couple of days, she's been killed. She's been, you know, threatened to be killed. I mean, she, you know, she has not had a good last few days. So it's like, well, maybe if I bring back her dad and change this, it will, you know, everything will turn out good for Chloe. So I think it goes back to just Chloe or Max just trying to do what's best for Chloe. And I like you said, it sort of gets to this thing of like Max. I mean, she, she really is just trying to do the right thing for everybody, I think. And, I really do appreciate that she manages to do it. So basically she does kind of, or doesn't kind of, she does end up saving her, which I thought was a weird use of the power because as you go on further in the game and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of elaborate on this a little bit more as we go into it, but, or as we get further along into it, the, um, the ability to rewind time based on a photo, it gets more and more limited based on, I think the needs of the, of that game or of the, you know, the game mechanic at that time, like it seems to get smaller or like where you can move to and from seems to get smaller and smaller. Like it's only in that 
section that you seem to have a little bit more freedom to move about. Whereas later on, you end up back in Max's room and you end up very, very confined. Like it's literally like, you know, just Max's dorm. And that's the only place you can move. Whereas this, like you can kind of move about outside of the upstairs, like move about the whole house, um, or, you know, Chloe's whole house there. And it just seemed like a, like the, the power seems to have gotten limited basically as time went on. Whereas the first time you do it, it's like, Oh, Hey, I can, I can do quite a bit in this. So, I yeah, know, I do it's... understand what you mean, though, because it, it was it was very strange just watching the progression of how I guess you can say her powers were kind of deteriorating. Yeah, it I was, yeah, was, was as much a progression. It. it was more of a regression, I guess. Yeah, like the power seemed to have gotten the... like less and less effective. Yeah, because, I mean, at first, the more she used the powers, the more that she was having these headaches, these nosebleeds and then um photo traveling you know doing that at first she was able to just kind of like you said move freely around the house and just kind of look at everything back the way it was it was like four or five years ago but then in the other times in future episodes like in episode five i mean like you said there's just you have very limited space to actually move about when you travel back in time yeah even um there's like a party scene we'll say later that you can do it in there is such a and it and I thought maybe it was because it was in the confines of the room that you're in, but you are outside in that scene with no real border or fence, and it's just like you can kind of see where the limits are, and it's like, well, if the limit is where the picture is basically being taken, it 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 just never seems like it's very well defined, like where the limit should be on the power, where the borders are, as far as what. Um, what Max could interact with when she does time travel based on the picture. That was sort of the one, my one complaint with the, uh, with the time travel ability based on the photos. It's just like, it was just so all over the place as to like how far and how much you could interact with stuff. So it's it's a small gripe. Yeah. I think what they were trying to do with that is though, um, because these are, I guess, alternate realities is they were trying to basically take it like you're traveling back through this photo into a place in time. And when you're doing that, basically when, you know, you make your change of decision or whatever, when you link back up to that original part of where, you know, the decision you make starts making those changes or whatever, that's when Max just kind of becomes conscious back in like her regular world to see what the consequences of it are. So even though there are Mm -hmm. limitations to that, I feel like the whole entire purpose of it is just to, make that change and then as soon as that change is made and you get right to that point again where things are going to be completely different from your decision they're like all right back to your original timeline now so you can see i guess how you screwed things up this time yeah 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 that kind of seems like the almost theme of the game is like well what did i screw up now (laughs) so yeah i mean poor max it seems like everything every time she does something like this it like she's doing it for the betterment of what she sees as everybody or the person she's interacting with and it just always seems to mess something up so um so uh there there ends up being a a kind of a scene as this goes on like max basically wakes up in the like the courtyard of blackwell academy and she's talking with Victoria and a couple of the other, like the vortex club members. And it's Max is dressed a little differently. And clearly uh, Max has sort of like clicked in with the vortex club. She's friends with them. Um, Victoria calls her Maxine and 
Max kind of looks at her and says, no, just Max, always Max, or something to that effect. I think it's always Max. And you kind of like, you know, Max, I don't know, like Max is sort of the weird like pivot point as far as the time traveling goes because like nothing for her changes even though everything up to that point for her has changed. So it's like you have all these different iterations of Max that exist somewhere don't it's like they all seem to kind of come and go it's and i guess it sort of has to do with the problem of time travel it's just a very hard thing to tackle and i guess like you know if max suddenly like you know went back in time or was transported back to a certain time and then was like woke up where she was it's like oh well that's interesting like her memories should have all changed but she has no memories of of all this other stuff have you know having happened it's it's kind of weird like she retains the memories from the original timeline as much as there is an original timeline in the game but then comes back to this thing where she's lived her whole life basically up to this point with this altered timeline having happened but with no recollection of it whatsoever and i think that is one of the toughest things to kind of deal with in time travel in like things and it's always been one of those things I don't think any games really ever handled well, maybe outside of Chrono Trigger. And that's because it's a rather simple thing. Like, you can only travel back to certain time periods, and there's only a few things you can interact with that might change the, the future. So, oh, anyway, uh, let's see. Hey, Brittany, did I lose you? No, 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 I'm sorry. You know oh, okay. I was just making sure. I was like, oh, no, did I lose Brittany on there? I was like, great. I've been, I've been rambling to myself here for three minutes. <laughs> so okay no i was just letting Um, you explain the whole thing about the time travel it is one of those things that's just very hard to explain like there's a lot of gaps in um i guess how the whole entire time travel thing works because there technically are all these other well yeah exactly they can't get too deep into it not to mention all the issues with you know budgets and time constraints that the the company was having with making the game i mean this could have easily been stretched out to I'm going to say seven or eight episodes, honestly, if they were given the time for it. Yeah, yeah, I think they could have made this. Actually, you know, but I am kind of glad they did kind of keep it a little bit tighter because I think it may have worn a little too long and gotten a little longer than two as it went on. So I'm, I'm glad they actually did kind of keep it. I don't want to say succinct because it, it there are some segments that I think they could have cut to make it even more succinct. Bottle searching for one. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... Um, the episode ends, uh, do you want to, do you want, do you want to go over how the episode ends? Cause I thought this was kind I of mean, like a, up to, up to this point, honestly, like I thought this was the weakest episode. Like I was, I was like, yeah, this kind of seems to just be like reestablishing what the whole purpose of everything is. And I wasn't, I didn't really feel like I was getting much out of it outside of like you pointed out earlier, like just kind of realizing what a, how manipulative Rachel is. But other than that, I didn't really feel like this episode really went anywhere until the very end. I mean, Oh yeah. You know what? I'm actually, I actually completely forgot that there was a major thing here. So, you know, it comes back to Max's hanging out with the vortex club, obviously is a very different person as a result of her choices. And, um, first thing she's wondering is like, Oh, Hey, I got a, go see Chloe and see how things are different for her now that her dad is alive. And unfortunately she makes the discovery that, you know, someone else ended up having a car accident and it happened to be Chloe. And now she's paralyzed and just wheeling herself around in a wheelchair at this point. 
So yeah, and not just you and know, not just like paralyzed. Like she is quadriplegic, paralyzed, like neck down. She is yeah, yeah. So so again, like I said, the episode few minutes ends. ago. Like, yeah, just one of those things. Like I said, you know, you gotta snap back to your normal reality and see how you mess things up this time. Yeah, and this is obviously the most. I mean, it's also the biggest thing she's changed. But this this was like the biggest like change she's been able to see like just how much like her choices kind of affect what reality is, and I think it's kind of a sort of like a, a I guess a an epiphany of what her powers can actually do because you know up to that point everything seems to be these little changes here and there like oh you know it's just like maybe like two minutes ago i changed something so it's not that big a deal not really thinking that like in the future like how does this affect how things happen in the future you know like if i did you know a or b and you know if i have a choice of a or b and i pick a how does that affect the future versus if i pick b where you know like this she you know she saved her dad but ultimately you know cause chloe to be paralyzed and max obviously grew up as a different person so it's like very it's very strange how everything kind of turned out for her and how max kind of like comes to this realization of like oh god i've got this power that is just insane so and that kind of bleeds into episode four a little bit so um let's go ahead and pause real quick this way we can kind of do a better segue into episode four but that's basically the thoughts on episode three um any closing thoughts on this one? Like I said, me personally, I thought this was kind of the weakest episode up until the very end of it where, you know, I, I think I mentioned earlier, my wife was watching it with me and my wife would just like look over. She's like, what the hell happened? I was like, I don't know. I guess she just screwed something up pretty bad in the timeline and then on to the next episode. I mean, yeah, it definitely was the one. I feel like it was also the shortest too. Um you know, right. of course, it's cool to have like these little scenes where you get to know the characters a little bit better. So it's nice that they had that. But um, it definitely didn't have as much story progression as I guess it could have for the episode. And then, of course, yeah, like that- as we'll talk about, they they cram a lot of it into episode four. Yeah, there is a lot going on in four, like to the point, like I kind of wish they had cut out the the pool scene like all together and maybe put a little bit of episode four into episode three but i think with the weakness i the, what i felt is a weakness of episode three just like in terms of like forward or you know forward movement of the story like it hit you hard enough that like maybe if you weren't interested in episode like if you started losing interest in like oh maybe this isn't gonna pan out to be as good as i thought it was it hits you hard enough at the end there the, like okay well i'm looking forward to episode four seeing what the hell happens here yeah, because this is one of those games where it's just like the ending of each episode just gets progressively worse and you just feel worse about your decisions and how everything's going to go. And you're like, oh, God, what can they what can they do next time to make it worse than what's already going on now? And it's like you can't wait for it. But at the same time, you're like, I can I can wait. I don't I don't want to see anything else bad happen. Yeah, yeah. I You know, and I think that also is kind of a nice thing with the. uh the way you played it versus I played it, you kind of got a little bit of a break in between and it just all wasn't so heavy. Yeah. Cause the way I played it, just playing one thing after another, it was just like, Oh God, this game, it almost weighs you down a little bit. Just all the stuff that goes on. It's like, I, I think like if I had played it separately, like I wouldn't maybe have come to the same conclusion or just how dark and heavy this game is, but there is, there is a lot going on in this game. And I mean, it kind of doesn't really hit, I think as hard until, you know, some of the events that we're going to get into here in episode four, but like 
there is uh, there is a lot of dark in this game and it it's i don't want to say it's subtle but it's a little bit more subtle up until about this point that like there's there's a lot of not good happening behind the scenes in this game and you kind of cause a lot of the not good so so i think that is a good stopping point let's go ahead and take a quick break and we will be back in just a moment find out what happened to Chloe, you talk about her failing health, um, if you look around hard enough, you see that uh, uh, Chloe's family um, struggling very, very badly financially, like even worse than they were prior to this, because it basically all of their money is going to keeping Chloe alive, and the more you like look at stuff, I don't know, me personally, I felt like there was a lot of... Uh, reasons to be mad at like insurance and bill collectors and stuff like that like even more reason than there is already as it is but like you see like yeah. the kind of uncaring nature of a lot of these for the situation that the family's in trying to keep their daughter alive and it's like ugh, and you know what really. blackwell blackwell is definitely um they're definitely one of the culprits in this too because this is kind of going back on what i was talking about during episode three with that whole decision on whether to steal the handicap fund or not um, you end up getting a letter. Well, you don't get a letter, but there's a, a letter that you find in Chloe's house in this alternate timeline that's basically explaining why um, they basically can't accept Chloe into their program because they don't have the handicap ramps and stuff necessary to, I guess, facilitate her moving around and about in the area. Um, so, I mean, that's just one of those things where you're just kind of like, would they have had the money? You know, it's one of those things. You, it, it's supposed to kind of make you feel bad for for not um for not for taking for, for taking the money yeah right okay that's but yeah, again okay, it's you know, I didn't like notice that one. had the ramps anyway and and you know someone who's handicapped already wouldn't have been able to come to the school and it was one of those things that you know affected chloe obviously because she ended up never going to blackwell in the first place yeah and you know but it also sort of sets off something too i think where i think the developer being in france maybe affects the way things are there i mean there's 
you know, federal guidelines that there has to be handicap ramps, period. You know, you have to make stuff handicap, handicapped accessible. Man, I can't talk. <laughs> but so I, I think maybe that's something like the developer maybe wasn't aware of. But like, you know, you have to make these things, you know, accessible for handicapped people. Like, I mean, there's a federal law that there's no if ands, or buts about it. You have to have this available for them. So it's I think it's a nice like way of kind of. I guess making you feel bad, although you wouldn't have even taken the money in this timeline anyway, but it kind of would make you feel like shit for having taken it in a sense. But I didn't even notice that letter, truth be told. So that's, you know, that, that point was totally lost on me. So there, there goes any potential for me feeling bad about stealing a few grand. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's, I think that's something like maybe, maybe I guess the developer being from France doesn't really have that same, or doesn't have the same like knowledge as like a typical like American audience would like, Oh, Hey, no, that's actually not really a thing. They would have to put those ramps in period. There's no if, ands or buts about it. It's like, Oh, we just don't have the money. Shucks. It's like, well, if somebody applied, they, I mean, you can, you could literally make a federal case out of it, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, well, didn't get that right, but at least they got right. The screwed up healthcare system in this country though. That's for sure. Oh Boy, did they. Yeah. And the screwed up uh, credit system and yeah. So yeah, you know, so they, so they got, they, they got that part wrong, but they hit a little too close to home on a lot of this other stuff here. So, um, like I said, there's really not a whole lot that goes on in this segment that affects the outcome of the rest of the rest of the game. Um, you end up like hanging out with Chloe quite a bit, watching a movie with her, falling asleep. And in the morning, Chloe kind of talks about her failing health and that she is going to die. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like if you look around the house too, there's notes saying as much that she's not in good shape and odds are she is not going to survive much longer anyway. So Chloe, in a rather, I want to say honorable bit, like asks you to kill her basically, like help, help, help her commit suicide because Chloe can't move at all. So she can't even do this for herself. And it's kind of a strange, I don't know, maybe honorable is not the right word, but it's like, she's thinking about her family. She's not even thinking about herself and her own suffering. It's more that, look, I'm going to die anyway. And the longer I'm alive, I'm going to keep my family in debt. So let's just, you know, let's just get this game over with. I'll throw in the towel, you know, and just call it done. So it was a little bit of like a redeeming thing for Chloe where like you don't see a whole lot of it in, I guess, the regular timeline where Chloe is kind of like thinking of others more than you would really realize. I think this kind of puts Chloe in a different perspective. And also it is a different version of Chloe, but there's still a little bit of that Chloe in this version of Chloe. And Max even comments as much in some of the uh, stuff she sees around the room, so... But yeah, it almost feels like a redemption factor for Chloe, maybe endearing you a little bit more to her as far as to like what she's willing to do for what she feels is right and what and the people she cares about. So um, ultimately, I decided to just on the first part of the conversation, agree to help help Chloe kill herself. Um, How did uh, how did you take that one? I couldn't do it. I I mean, I just felt like it kind of wasn't Max's place and it wasn't really mine either. Not to mention, like, I was also just thinking ahead to, they're not going to think that Chloe did this to herself. They're going to know that Max was the last person in there. And are they really going to be able to forgive her for doing that? So it's just like, 
the consequences of that I wasn't really too fond of. Also, again, how many times have we seen Chloe, you know, die or have the potential to die already? I wasn't willing to be one of the causes of that or one of the direct causes. So I just, I couldn't really do that. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. And I think maybe, maybe this was the one time I actually got into Max's brain a little bit where I thought of the sort of immediate ramifications of doing something. And it's like, oh, well, this will just help out Chloe in the long run and help her family out in the long run. Not really. And I think I thought of it later um, after I did it, maybe like a later, you know, later point in the episode, like, oh, maybe I should have done that because there would have been some bad stuff going on for Max. But like, yeah, like I didn't even really think of like, oh, well, surely the family is going to piece together that it was me that basically just killed their daughter. So, yeah, yeah. So I guess it maybe maybe that was me getting into uh, role playing as Max a little bit more like, oh, hey, yeah, everything's hunky dory and I'm just going to do this one thing that will fix everything and everything will be OK. I mean, as much as it can be OK, then you realize like, oh, crap, there was probably some bad stuff that could have happened if things had panned out that way. So. Anyway, um, one way or the other, you end up, um, or, okay, since you didn't do it, did she end up dying on her own, or what happened there? Um, well, you guys were in the process, well, you guys, Max and Chloe were in the process of looking through an old photo album and everything, and, Mm -hmm. um, so the last page that they were on, I'm trying to think of what that photo was that she's able to jump back into because she, she didn't end up dying on her own. She was just very, I guess, kind of pissed off that Max wouldn't do this one thing to her. And she kind of um, went back into accusing her of abandoning her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there was that, and it was basically the same thing, like where in yours, she, she kind of just drifted away and then you're just looking into the book um, she's just very pissed off and won't talk to you and is just kind of like looking off in the other direction. So it's very similar in the way that it ends where, you know, the conversation's over and you're just kind of forced to look at this picture and then jump back into your, um, why can I not remember where that picture jumps back to from that photo album? Uh, didn't it put you back into the truck? No, it didn't put you back into the truck, did it? Let's see. See if looking at the at the uh, at the actual walkthrough would help any. Let's see. Man, there's yeah. I'm trying to remember where that ends up. You know, maybe it's really not that important. I suppose if we're if we're oh, both okay. struggling Sorry. to remember that badly. Is... Oh, did you find it? Yeah, I, I no, I didn't find it. I just remember because it's very silly oh. that I didn't remember. Um, you you basically go back to that um that time four or five years ago, and you just let William kind of walk off to his death. I guess like you don't oh. hide the keys back then. Just oh, yeah. let things go back as normal. I don't know how I forgot about that entirely. You know that what? was kind of uh, weird. I'm right there with you. I was just thinking like, you know how, of course that's the, that's the, uh, that's the point at where everything changed. So of course it would be the photo of, um, of you and Max that you can go back to and look or whatever. Or yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, okay. So yeah. So basically you end up putting, I don't want to say making right because, you know, nothing seems to go right for this time travel thing. But you end up putting things back the way they were and uh, Chloe's father ends up dying again. Um, Once you go back, you end up – you end up back in Chloe's house, I believe. Yeah. 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 You start back off in Chloe's house and there's not a whole lot going on in the house either. You bump into – Oh, God. What is... 
David. You bump into David again. Doesn't really pan out. You could potentially bump into David here, I think. Um, there's not really a whole lot going on, though, either way. Um, you look for yeah, clues. Yeah, he's just kind of packing his stuff and going. Yeah, if you... Yeah, well, depending if, on if, how you played it, yeah. Yeah, but either way, it's, it's I think it's kind of an inconsequential thing at the time. Um, there's not really much going on. You end up going back into the garage and digging for clues one way or the other. And this kind of leads into, well, we'll get to it in a little bit, but this leads into a point of the, of this episode that I wasn't a particular fan of, but neither here nor there at this moment. Um, so you find more stuff that David's been doing as with his, uh, we'll say research <laughs> into some of the Blackwell students. It's, you know, this guy should have been like a private detective, should not have been a school security officer. <laughs> Cause he's pretty good at digging up dirt on people. I got to give him that. So, um, yeah, he probably what, should have gone into a different line of work. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think security or police was his thing. I think maybe piecing puzzles together by snooping was his uh, was his uh, calling. <laughs> so there really wasn't much else going on there outside of that. Um, now, depending on how things played out at the end of episode two, you uh, you might get to visit Kate in the hospital, which is kind of a sweet little moment, but doesn't really play anything into the overall story. Um, she does give you, um, cause you end up, or you're going to go to Nathan Prescott's room. Uh, so you have to go to the boys door, but you don't know which one it is. Um, Kate, if you, if you, basically if she's alive, she'll end up telling you what the room is later, but it's not something that's particularly difficult to find out. You can just kind of look at the whiteboards and figure out what's, uh, what's what there. So, it's not like this. It's not like saving her like really saves you a lot of time or makes things particularly easier for you. It's just kind of like a oh hey here's a quick text and this is the room number. Go for it. Go get him, kid. You know. Yeah. So let's see. I, like I said, it was a, it was a sweet little moment, but ultimately like didn't really play out much in the way of anything as far as the story goes. So I mean, it was. I don't know if maybe things weighed out a little heavier if Kate had died, but like I still like I'm. I'm glad i chose to save kate versus not because yeah i'm not a terrible person i guess even though i didn't well, okay. admit to First watching all, who, wa- hey 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 who hey. chooses now, to let kate die i definitely didn't do it on purpose it just happened i screwed well, up a lot with my first playthrough of this game admittedly and that was probably one of the worst moments of the entire game for me was just watching her be like basically f you you're not really my friend and she just walks off that roof <laughs> Well, but see, I had taken every phone call because I was like, oh, she's vulnerable. She See, originally I thought like this whole like drugging thing led to uh, uh, sexual assault, we'll say, in nicer terms, I suppose. And that's why I was like, okay, I'll talk to her and everything. I kind of like catered to her a little bit because I was like, oh, you know, if I was if I was in that situation Kate had just been through, I this is this is how I would handle it. Like I would like if she needed something, I'd be there. Like, you know, never mind Chloe getting pissed off at me. Chloe will get over it. And, you know, it's like. Or she won't. I mean, you know, Chloe, like you mentioned before, does tend to hold a grudge pretty well. So if she has one talent, it is grudge holding. Yeah. So, but like I said, it was it was a sweet little moment, but ultimately didn't really do much for, I guess, the overall movement of the story. So um, once you leave the hospital, you end up in the boys' dorm. Um, and there's not really much going on here either, except... We did talk about it, and there is a little bit of a, uh, I thought a cute, we'll say, thing. Oh, wow, literally is cute. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even realize the bad <laughs> pun there. Um, 
as in the other whiteboards that you've seen in the girls' dorm, you can kind of interact with some of the whiteboards. I think maybe it's just uh, just Warren's whiteboard. Um, but you can interact with whiteboards in uh, the boys' dorm. And if you kind of so choose, you can write a little message to um, to Warren. And it says, uh, are you made of copper? And now forgive me, I'm probably going to say this wrong because I never really got this far in science in school uh tellurium <laughs> because you're and then it shows the little periodic table elements and it turns out to be because you're cute and then a little smiley face at the bottom so it's kind of a nice little little nod if you're going that way with uh i guess i don't want to say the relationship but how you're how you're treating warren and it's also there if you haven't been sort of like not leading him on, but leading him on a little bit. So if you decide like, oh, hey, I just that was cute to see, but not the route I'm wanting to go in, you can go ahead and, as you were telling me off the air there, Brittany, you can go and rewind time and just 86 that choice altogether. <laughs> Which is probably the best way to go if you hadn't been leading him on because all of a sudden it goes from like, oh, I don't care about you. Oh, no, we're best buddies. And then you call him cute. And it's like that. the first thing in a 16-year-old boy's brain is, oh, she thinks I'm cute. Sweet. <laughs> So yeah, and see that just goes into the whole uh, I guess possibility of just playing as complete psycho Max, just completely toying with people's emotions. <laughs> you know what? I think I think when the physical release comes out uh, sometime this or in a couple days actually, I think I'm gonna go back and actually play through as psycho Max and just just go out of my way to just bulldoze everything's or everyone's emotions as much as possible. Just like screw you, screw you, screw you, screw you. I don't care what you think. So just kind of see what happens. So. Um, once you get into Nathan's room or you find Nathan's room and then you get in there, um, it's creepy to say the least. I think, I think creepy is probably a nice way of putting it. It's, it's dark. Uh, shit gets real in there. It's yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on with that kid and a lot of it's pretty scary. So, um, you do find out like the drugs that Nathan's on. Uh, Max even makes a comment that, uh, they're obviously not enough or not helping him because he's obviously still got some mental issues that's not really... Yeah. I think there's even a letter in there from his dad saying... Or is it later on? I'm trying to remember that his dad saying that, you know, you need to start acting more like a Prescott. People are always looking at you because you're a Prescott and you need to start acting like one, basically. So you kind of... There is a very, very brief moment of uh, sympathy for... uh, yeah, for Nathan there. But other than that, mostly he seems like a rather un... You know... There's like no redemption for this character at all. Like, he's just a jerk no matter where how you work it, so... Um... Let's see. What was the other thing you you said you found in there? Like, evidence of him drugging Kate? I mean, it's it? just... Yeah, just drugging Kate. And then also that story that uh, Chloe told you a while back about how he drugged her and she managed to you know, break the lamp and escape from him and everything. You see the broken lamp in there and you're just kind of putting the pieces together and you're like, yep, this thing that Chloe told me definitely happened. And you can clearly see it in his room there. So that's just another thing. It's This is where the, the game starts taking a real dark turn. You're starting to see just how bad a lot of the individuals are that they're dealing with here. Yeah, this, yeah, I think, I think going into Nathan's um, room, which is, both in terms of lighting and just uh, contextually, it's dark. Like, 
yeah, I think that kind of starts turn. Yeah, I think you're right. This is exactly where this game takes that turn. And you're just like, oh, there is nothing good going on here. There is not a shred of anything good going on with this situation that's going that's going down with like the whole Rachel thing disappear or the whole Rachel disappearance. Um, once you get what you need out of um, out of Nathan's room, you bump into Nathan just as you're leaving the dorm, and uh, Nathan basically starts going a little nuts on you and Warren steps up once again except this time he doesn't just take a beating he decides that he's gonna dish it out even going so far as to kicking a gun out of nathan's hand so you know whatever is it whatever kind of weirdo creepy stuff we've talked about with warren before like even you know innocently enough maybe he doesn't realize he's being a kind of a creep i gotta say the boy stepped up there i'm I'm kind of kind of proud of the kid there (laughs) It was definitely one of his redeeming moments, that's for sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So there's a, I don't want to say it's too major of a choice. I don't really know how it plays out one way or another, but you can kind of let him beat the shit out of, uh, out of Nathan or hold him back a little bit. I chose to hold him back just because I didn't feel like Warren was the kind of guy who would like himself very much if he did just knock the living snot out of somebody to the point where maybe they went <laughs> unconscious or something. I was like, Warren probably would, like, in an hour when the adrenaline calm down like would feel terrible about what he did so yeah i i let him keep going because i was just a little worried i'm just always thinking forward with these decisions i was worried that if he had stopped maybe nathan would still be okay enough to grab that gun and maybe shoot someone and you know even though warren wasn't my favorite character i figured he'd probably be the first one who got shot and i didn't really want to see that happen so you know he just continued going in for that ass whooping See, which, see mean, I, it, 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 oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say, um, it, it didn't really turn out too different, I guess, from the other way around because I did see both. Um, but I mean, it was just—it still kind of was a little bit of a fun thing to see. Like after Nathan's been a huge dick, and you find out you know, what he's been doing, what he did to your friend and all this. It's just kind of nice to see him maybe get a little bit of what he deserves real quick. Yeah, I agree. I, I kind of, like I said, I, I sat there thinking about it and I was like, Ooh boy, do I just, do I stop him? But it really, it, in my, I guess in my perspective of looking forward, I was kind of looking out for Warren in that sense. Like, I, I really felt like he was going to be the one that like was going to pay the price. Like the physical wounds off Nathan or from or Nathan got were going to heal up and no big deal. But I felt like Warren just like emotionally was going to have that baggage with him because he seems like the kind of kid that's going to carry that kind of baggage for a long time. Like he was real proud of himself for taking the beating for Max so she could get away with Chloe in the first episode. But I don't know if he would have felt very proud of himself, like I said, once the adrenaline and sort of the rush of the moment wore off for beating the ever-loving shit out of uh, Nathan. So that's it was kind of like a long-term, like, emotional thing. Like, I was like, okay, maybe something goes on, but, you know, Warren kind of already seemed to have taken care of the gun thing. So it's like, well, let's see what happens. I think, I think Nathan will probably sit there and just curl up in a corner and, like, realize he just got the snot kicked out of him and just to kind of like, okay, now's not my moment sort of thing, so... Yeah. Um, after that, um, you end up going to the beach and, you know, in a rather, God, it's, I mean, you see them earlier on in the game, but like 
getting that close to the beached whales, it's kind of depressing. It like really gives you a sense. It, like you said, it even goes back into that darkness, but like it really getting that close to it, it, it kind of gives you that sense of like the encroaching darkness of the game. Like I got really kind of like sad just seeing those whales there. It's just like, wow, there is, there is a lot going on right now. And a lot of screwed up crap is happening in this game. And like I said, it really kind of makes you think like, is there any way that any of this could possibly turn out good? I mean, is there anything possible or is there anything, or is there any possibility that this game is going to turn out happy in any way, shape or form? Because there's so much darkness. Episode four was pretty much the start of me thinking like, there's just no possible way that there is a happy ending. Like one way or another, you're just not going to be very happy with, um, with how things turn out. Yeah. I, yeah, I, it's kind of, it's kind of sad to think about it like that. Like, Oh, oh there's no way this is going to turn out good, but, uh, we'll, we'll get into that as we go, as we go on to the next, or I guess the next episode of the podcast. Um, so you end up going to the beach and having an encounter with Frank. Um, there's a kind of a multitude of ways this kind of plays out, but ultimately like, you end up getting something from Frank that you need a little bit more like pieces of evidence. Um, it can go one, I guess really can go one of two ways. Uh, Frank either will give you the information willingly and you've convinced him that you're on the same side, even if you don't see eye to eye, uh, kind of like a, like a, you know, a, a Europe and, uh, or a Europe, a, uh, Britain and, uh, United States and Russia sort of thing. Like you guys don't really see together, but you kind of got a common enemy. So let's let's get this figured out here, and we'll just we'll kind of work out the details later. But yeah, you kind of kind of can make that happen, or Frank ends up getting killed, which is a friggin' bummer. Because if Frank gets killed, that means the dog also got killed. If the dog didn't get killed before, so it's just like it's it's not one thing or it's another with this game. Like I said, if if you take that route, it just gets even more dark. So it's kind of God, this game's getting depressing. I don't even know if I can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and then you also have to think about the consequences for Chloe after after killing them, too, because that's something that she would have to live with forever. Because even though exactly. she is kind of a gruff person, I don't think that she actually wants to hurt anybody or wants to kill anyone. So when she finally does that, you can see immediately her reaction to it is just like, what the hell did I just do? You know, and then I believe at some point she actually tells you after all this is figured out with Rachel and everything, she will uh, turn herself into the police. And I'm just thinking, well, that's not really a good way to end this as we're thinking like in the future, like, all right, Chloe, you figured everything out that's going on now off to jail with you. Oh, wow. Really? I, yeah. See, I, I rewound time and like got it to the point where I got, I got Frank's information without him dying because there's just like kind of thinking the same way as i did with warren like i didn't want chloe to have to live with that you know that that action like it just seemed like chloe has gone through enough too that like i don't want her to have to go with having killed a dog and a person on her conscience for the rest of her life now it's like she's she's kind of had enough let's not add on to it. it's like i can i've got this ability to rewind time let's go ahead and take advantage of it for for my friend's sake so yeah um let's see uh, from there, okay, and this is where I was getting at, like, this kind of leads into, or what I was talking about earlier, leading into a, the segment of this episode that I didn't, wasn't really fond of, is a puzzle that you kind of have to piece together information and stuff on um, some corkboard of, like, basically tracking down a location for, I, you know, I wasn't even really sure, like, what, what you were trying to figure out initially, like, it, 
didn't make it particularly clear, but basically like you start narrowing down names and locations and GPS signals. So you use all this information that you got and figure it out from there. But it just, for me, it didn't flow very well. And it just seemed to have like, it seemed to have kind of drug the forward progress that it was making almost to a grinding halt because it seemed like it was going from beat to beat to beat to beat with a lot of information and a lot of like, story kind of movement to like okay let's take a brief pause and do this figuring out segment like for me personally i would have kind of preferred it as a not a cutscene maybe but maybe something a little less interactive i suppose so but that's just me like i my brain and doesn't work well with those puzzle sort of things so maybe that's just a personal preference yeah i i actually kind of enjoyed it a little bit especially compared to a lot of the uh seek and find type deals that we were going through earlier in the game, like bottle finding or (laughs) bomb ingredient finding. Um, So I thought it was kind of fun to look through all the details and actually read some of the stuff. Like one of the things that I found very fascinating um, was the code names that uh, Frank gave for people. And then if you actually kind of keep track of some of the people and go back and look at his sales and everything, it was another one of those things that kind of was pushing my suspicion onto a lot of people, probably unnecessarily. Like mm-hmm. one of the things that not many people caught is uh, Stella. Um, she was actually one of his customers, one of Frank's customers, and at one point bought GHB, which was that that date rape drug. Oh. So I thought that that was kind of weird. So I was like, is she involved in this whole entire thing? Like I said, another one of those things that just made me suspicious of yet another person in this school. <laughs> Maybe, it, and in that instance, uh, seems like unnecessarily so. But yeah, God, there's there's a lot of uh, being able to like, kind of like, oh, is this person involved? Is this person involved? Is this person involved? And there's a little hint at something a little bit later that we'll get to that I like made me think of somebody else that might be involved or not involved with it. So, um, yeah, like you said, so I, I maybe it's because I didn't. I didn't dig that deep into it. Like I started, I kind of looking, I just got frustrated with some of it. So I ended up just getting a game fact and kind of went, went with it from there and just was like, okay, here's how you solve this. I, and maybe, and like I said, that's probably my fault. I'm I'll, I'll, I'll take that a hundred percent that I should have <laughs> taken the time because I would have probably found little details like that. And, you know, even, you know, I feel dumb now because like even knowing as much detail as, as a don't nod is thrown into the, into this game, like for people who like dig deeper, I should have realized that there was something in there that would have like led to something like that. Maybe made, or, you know, definitely made things a little more interesting. Like, Oh, Hey, wow. But then again, as we've learned from the first episode, I, I've been suspicious of people from the very first episode. So maybe I didn't need my suspicions even more roused for anybody else. Because at this point, it's like, <laughs> oh, everybody's guilty, right? This whole town. I'm just going to, you know what? Never mind. I'll let the tornado just destroy this dump. The hell with it. <laughs> yeah, they're all terrible people and you all deserve to die. I'm leaving. Yeah, exactly. It's like. Go back to like, Seattle. Uh, what's the, uh, what's the, what's the phrase? I guess I guess i'm glad they're dead and i hope they burn in hell or something like that so <laughs> forget what quote that but I, I forget where that quote's from and i'm probably even getting it wrong so it doesn't really matter I, yeah I, I i definitely don't have that male brain of remembering movie quotes very well either so let's yeah that's that's something else to hold against me i suppose uh, outside of you know n- names and characters in video games that i can't ever remember let's see um so what it leads you to this barnyard that 
it's owned by the Prescotts, you find, and has been for over a hundred years. And I think the little bit of uh, the little notation I put here that I got a little chuckle out of you from as I was writing it down was that the the uh, the Prescotts have always been ass bags. <laughs> there's there's this note you find with a debt collecting thing that he kind of writes it off, or you know, the, I guess it would be Nathan Prescott's like great grandfather or whatever, but like. He puts like, dear sir, you owe me a some amount of money and I would expect payments immediately lest your honor be done. And it's just like, oh my God, really? It's basically a pretentious way of where's my money, bitch. So. (laughs) Um, It was another one of those little fun things to read. Yeah. You know, one thing I did forget to mention that like um, with that puzzle thing, the one thing I kind of got out of it was um, I kind of thought, like, you know, David seemed a little bit less crazy after all that because it's like, oh, wow, there is a lot going on here. And David was on to something, it seemed. So, but yeah, other than that, like I said, I didn't really get much out of it. So, but again, take take the blame 100%. So, um, yeah, but there, and there was kind of like a little puzzle thing going on there, getting into the, uh, getting into the barnyards, uh, looks like a bunker or, yeah, like a safe room, essentially. And, that I wasn't too particularly fond of, although there was some kind of interesting little things if you did the puzzle wrong, so. Uh, let's see. But yeah, it's it's this really weird thing. Like, once you get it opened, I mean, it looks like a nuclear fallout shelter, basically, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it, it's definitely bizarre. I mean, from the second that you find the hatch that you're supposed to pop up and you're like, Good lord, what am I going to find underneath here? It's not going to be something good. So, again, with the whole entire thing of being, like, taking a very dark turn. I mean, just from the moment you walk into the barn, you're like, this isn't a good place. I feel like people have probably died here or something. Yeah. Yeah, something good has not happened here. And I kind of, like, you open the hatch. Like, initially, like, my thought is, like, the hatch, like, it's like oh, maybe this was, like, a storage area or, like, you know, a, a secret storage area for, like, when this barn was originally built. And then you open it, and then there's a huge, like, metal door with a keypad. You're like, okay, obviously, if this was originally here, it has been uh, rather thoroughly renovated. So there's a lot going on with this thing. And then, um, so once you get in, um, let's just say if you didn't think things were going well before this and you don't, and once you get in here and you think things are potentially going to be okay, you are, you make me look like Einstein or whatever, because wow, there is, there is not a lot of happy going on in this place. Um, I think they, who, who initially calls it the dark room? Is it, um, it was when, it was when, uh, Max and Chloe were in the principal's office looking through all the files and stuff. And there was that one drawing, I guess you could call it, in Nathan's file that kept saying Rachel in the dark room, Rachel in the dark room. I'm not sure if they ever actually referred to it once they were there as the dark room. I just think they probably knew that that was where they were. Oh, okay. You know what? Yeah, okay. I never put that together. I just, like... Because I think it is in episode five, somebody references it being called my dark room or whatever. And I think that's kind of where I got the dark room thing. But yeah, it's it's kind of horrifying. Um, it's very sterile and there's not like it's not like a torture chamber. It's literally just this. Uh, what would you say? Like a, a white background with like some really crazy like professional photo stuff. And it is not considering where you find it and the stuff that you see around and the, some of the pictures that you see that are uh, put up there, 
it's it's not a good situation that you just walked into. Clearly not a good situation. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Like like you said, I I walked in there and was just like, oh god, this is this is not going to happen. Or this there's nothing good that's going to happen in this section of this game, is there? And then it kind of leads to that. Never mind section. Let's just get rid of this section out of that sentence. And like, there's nothing good that's going to happen in this game, is there? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the weird vibe that I got from it was kind of like, I don't know if you ever watched Dexter when it was still on, but I was just thinking of like Dexter Kill Room with how meticulous he is in setting everything up. And it just seemed like this is definitely where people have been killed before. You know, that's a good analogy. I never really thought about that one. Yeah, yeah, because it's, yeah, I guess my my noting that it's like, it's very sterile. Like it almost seems like an operating room to a degree. It's just like, Ooh boy. It's like, I would almost not feel totally uncomfortable with somebody performing surgery in that room. You know, it's like, it looks like it's very meticulously kept. So, um, you start digging around in this dark room and you do find some evidence on what happened to Kate. Um, you know, Kate was drugged and had photos taken of her and rather not, I don't want to say sexual because they're definitely like sexual in nature in a sense of like fetish wise, but they're not like, you know, nude or anything like that. Not in any kind of like graphically like, or like some, any sort of like graphical pornography or anything, but they're definitely like these really creepy photos of her. Like a weird submissive thing. Yeah. There you go. It's, it's definitely, it's, I guess, for lack of a better term, definitely a little rapey. So, I mean, that's just the way I feel about the whole thing. It's like this whole situation. It's like getting back to like the way I felt about um, like what happened, what may or may not have happened to Kate earlier. Like I thought she was like sexually assaulted. And while maybe this isn't as bad, it's still definitely not good. I mean, this is not something you're going to like forget a couple years down the road or whatever. Like this is something that like is going to keep in your psyche for the rest of your life. So, you know, there's, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, one way or the other, I guess if it's not, you know, without, or I guess it takes the sexual sort of thing out of there, but it's still like, definitely like like, it, I, I can't imagine you would feel much different. Like, being a rape victim versus like what this happened or what happened with this. I mean, this is, it's kind of horrifying. So, I mean, especially if you're not entirely sure of what happened to you at the time either. Yeah. You just know that, you know, you were drugged at a party. All of a sudden you woke up in a weird white room with like an older male around you because she said something about hearing like a, an older voice. Maybe it was a doctor and uh, and then all of a sudden you just wake up in your room again. It's just you have no idea what actually happened. So I feel you probably would assume the worst and think that maybe you could have been raped at that time. Yeah, and that's and that's something kind of like getting back to like the way this game handles like certain situations like this. I think it really does do a very good job of not throwing anything in your face without overtly saying anything. Like it does just give that feeling of like oh god like did this happen? I mean, it kind of, like I said, it throws it in, it throws it in there, like in the ring, like, Hey, this could have happened. It makes you think about it rather than just like throw it in your face. Like, here's what happened, period. You know, it's, it makes you think. And I think that's another reason why I've appreciated this game as much as I have. It never really, I I guess, no, no, it never really does overtly do anything to make your opinion sway one way or the other about anything. It's all these subtle little details that 
like even during this rather horrifying segment of this game, like it still is throwing like overt details in there to make you think about what's going on. Um, you, I, and I totally forgot I had even found this, but you mentioned the uh, the note from the doctor or from Nathan's doctor that you or that we stumbled upon. Yeah. You want to? So you, yeah, they, yeah, they end up finding a note. I guess it's from his psychiatrist, basically saying that his family isn't really um, enabling Nathan to get the help that he needs, and his psychiatrist basically releases him from his care because he can't really do much more for him and his family's not cooperating. And then on top of that, you find another note to Nathan, not sure from who, it definitely sounds like it's from his father, basically saying that um, he needs to start acting right in public and, you know, he's tarnishing, you know, the name, like, do not use his name in public. And you're just kind of wondering, like, who is he talking about? He's talking, his dad's telling him not to use his name in public. It's just a very weird thing. You see, you start to feel a little tiny shred of sympathy for Nathan, finding out that he has a family that's not really all too caring for him and isn't really getting him the help that he needs. And you realize that the vast majority of the problems that he's having is mental and he just is not being given the proper care. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of getting yeah, and that's so this is where that note was then yeah because I wasn't sure if it was in his room or here but yeah it's it does like I said lead to like the one moment of like kind of maybe not even sympathy but maybe like just empathy like you kind of like feel bad for Nathan because maybe they're really you know there's potential help for him but maybe it's just he's not getting it you know he's obviously not getting the support he needs from his family and thusly kind of just throws uh, like the psychiatry thing and the medicine to the wind because he doesn't feel like he's getting any help from his family. And like, he's like, well, if they don't care, I don't care. But at the same time, it's like the things he does are kind of horrifying. So it's like, do I feel bad for him or not? It's, it, it's a tough call to make. Like part of me, I do feel bad. Another part, it's like, you're still kind of a monster, you know? <laughs> so, um, and it, the, the big, big reveal here is you find out Rachel Amber's fate in this. Um, and I don't want to say spoilers because this whole podcast has been nothing but spoilers. But if you haven't played this game up until this point, I want I want to warn you away from the rest of this episode until at least until you finish episode four. But um, so, yeah, if you've had the chance to turn this off or if you want the chance to turn it off, turn it off now because we're going to talk about what happened to Rachel. So you find out that Rachel uh, was killed by Nathan. He wanted to emulate whoever is taking these pictures basically and um, basically made Rachel overdose on the drugs to kind of keep her drugged up and Rachel's dead. She's been dead this whole time and you figure out where she's buried and that kind of leads or no, you don't find out where she's buried yet. Do you right? Or no, you do. That's well, right. yeah, yeah. They, they see the pictures and they're kind of wondering what's going on exactly. And yeah. Chloe is just kind of in denial at this point saying she can't be dead. She can't be dead. And then there's the one picture where it is uh, Chloe, not Chloe, uh, Rachel and Nathan lying down on the ground in the graveyard. And because, you know, that's pretty much Chloe stomping around. She knows exactly where it is. That's when they decide to leave the dark room and go exactly to that spot. And that's when they dig it up and find Rachel's body. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of, kind of kudos to don't nod for not really showing it. Um, I will say this, you know, as, as much darkness and stuff as they bring, like they're very, 
very good about never I, I guess it gets back to like even their expression on how they don't really do any big tells but they don't like show any real graphic violence without it i guess being necessary to what's going on i mean yeah they show you know within the first 10 minutes of the game they show chloe getting killed with a gut shot but they never really do it like with any sort of like celebratory way or anything like that. It's always very like, well, this is just what happens. They don't go out of their way to show anything like horrifying. It's more subtlety, I guess. And this, this, I think it did better by just kind of showing you the strands of clothes that you got or that, you know, they dug up rather than actually showing you the rotting corpse of Rachel, you know, it's like, okay. So I think, I I think I I do appreciate that. I think, you know, omitting that is just one of those things it's definitely made up for anyway, just by the the voice acting in this scene. I just have to obviously commend Ashley Birch, even though she's amazing throughout the entire game. I think this was probably one of her best scenes, the whole entire reaction to finding this girl dead that, you know, she's been looking for all this time and it's definitely not how she wanted to find her or anything. So it's just one of those things that is just like absolutely heartbreaking performance and everything. And you just, I don't know. You don't really need to see the body because you feel like it's bad enough. You feel bad enough that somebody else has, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think exactly to your point, like Chloe's reaction to this and I much respect to the acting in this game. But I mean, this is, this is a a definite high point for believability. Cause like your gut just drops, like, you know, she's dead. Clearly she's dead, but Chloe like really sells it. That it's like, Nope, this is this whole thing has been leading up to this moment basically. And she's dead. And Chloe's reaction just, it's, I don't want to say almost perfect, but I don't think anyone could have done a better job at selling this any better than any better than she did. I mean, you could have like made this a TV show and had like a great actor try to sell this. And I don't think they would have sold this as much as this was sold. I mean, this, this, I mean, I, like I said, as much as I kind of don't really, I haven't really cared about Rachel, like knowing she's dead there and Chloe's feelings and everything. It just really made me kind of depressed about the whole thing. It was just like, Oh God, this is, this is absolutely terrible. And I think a lot of it has to do with the lead up to this point. Like everything you saw in the dark room, like, Oh God, it's just kind of like this, like this drop off point of like, you've been rolling down a hill and all of a sudden the, the cliff just falls. So it's like, there's like, okay, great. You know, you go from at least a 45 degree angle to just, you're just falling straight down. It's like, okay, God, is anything, there's nothing that's going to go happy. And I, yeah, at, at this point, I can I can understand maybe people checking out of the game at this point almost like it's just like I can't play this it's too depressing you know like but it, I think there's such a strong drive to see how everything pans out in the end that I'm kind of glad or hopefully most people stuck it out but I can see if anyone says like it just got too real for me here I couldn't deal with it anymore like I I can definitely not fault somebody for that because it's it goes from dark to really dark here so um. Once this, like I said, probably maybe the strongest scene in the entirety of the of the series so far, um, you kind of go on maybe a little bit slower of a pace because, I mean, you know, you kind of, I guess, hit the emotional peak and you kind of have to, like, valley off a little bit here. Um, you end up going to the, the Vortex Club party, uh, the, what do they call the end of the world party? And it kind of seems that yeah. way and it's very aptly fit. Uh, you know, one thing I didn't put in the notes was the two moons thing. That was, that was really weird. Like, 
I don't know, it's, you basically see two moons in the sky, like, they're almost, like, mirrored, like, within a couple feet, like, inches of each other, if you just, like, look in the sky, basically, so, um, there's not really a whole lot that goes on at the party, there's some sort of, like, smaller dialogue things, and getting back to, like, Chloe, like, she is, she is on, like, right on it with how like angry she is but max seems kind of subdued about the whole thing like she seems upset but not as bad as you'd think she'd be but then again she didn't know rachel so maybe of course she wouldn't be so um really i want to say like the big kind of turning point for this is um your conversation with victoria you can warn her basically that she's next um nathan's seeming creepy hobby um has kind of led her eye to victoria and i think you even see some text messages or emails or something where victoria and nathan are exchanging and nathan obviously is trying to not hook up with her but get her alone effectively and knowing this about nathan you kind of put two and two together like oh okay nothing nothing good is going to happen here but also when you're in the dark room, there is that um, that empty red binder that was kind of underneath Rachel and Kate's. And they were right. saying, you know, she's she's was... the next target. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So you, you warn her. And depending on how um, your relationship with Victoria has been, she'll either believe you or you won't. And also it depends on your conversational choices. Um, even if you've been nothing but nice to Victoria throughout this, she can still not believe you. Um, now believing you, I think leads to a not happy result. Um, but you were saying, did she end up believing you or no? Uh, no, she didn't. And unfortunately that's because I decided to stoop to her level throughout the game and pretty much Uh. just, screw with her so there was no chance in her believing me whatsoever i mean even just the way that she greeted me as soon as i tried to talk to her at the party i was just like there's no point in even having this conversation and it was one of those things where max had a decision to just be like you know what for forget it i'm not even gonna try well she does it anyway but you they give you the option to not warn her which is just kind of weird to me but you know whatever yeah yeah, I mean, and maybe maybe it goes into that thing of, like, you playing as Max a little bit, but, like, I don't think Max is, like, even if she hates somebody, and she doesn't want to see anybody get hurt, you know? So it's like, it, like you said, I think it is a weird choice that they that they even allowed that option to be there. But, um, yeah, I ended up getting Victoria to, or believe you, basically, that she was going to be attacked, we'll say, and kind of leave it at that, and... From there, um, oh, geez, what's his name? Uh, Jefferson pops up uh, and has to go, like, announce the winner for the uh, Everyday Heroes contest. And he goes and it ends up being Victoria. Uh, that happens in any playthrough, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen anything different. Yeah, I haven't, yeah. I, the, the little I did, I, I, I kind of figured, like, between our two playthroughs here, like, we got enough difference there with the Victoria conversation that maybe if she wasn't going to win one way or the other, that would have happened. So, but yeah, that's, she ends up winning the, that contest. And I think from there you find out that Nathan, or do you get a text from Nathan? Is that what happens? 
Well, I mean, you pretty much just go to the party to find Nathan. And once you go around and talk to everybody and even talk to Jefferson, you find out that he's just not there. And it's kind of confirmed after you talk to Jefferson. So um, as you're getting ready to leave the party, forget where they were going to go to to look for him. Maybe they're going back to his dorm or something. But um, yeah, they got they a were. text message. They got a text message um, from Nathan's phone basically saying that he was going to destroy whatever evidence they have of uh of what happened to rachel amber and his involvement in it and that immediately leads them back to the uh the junkyard which i would have thought like like in my head like i'm thinking evidence like maybe like you know you go to their house and burn their house down because they've got all this evidence or whatever or clearing the dark room out but they go back to the junkyard to make sure the body hasn't been moved um if it was just like make Rachel Amber disappear, sure, but they he did kind of specify, if I'm remembering right, that it was going to be evidence of his involvement, basically. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really specify if he was talking about getting rid of the body, at least not that I can remember. But yeah. I mean, it is kind of weird that they decided to go back to the junkyard. Aside from the fact of how strange it is that they they found this person's body and. And just left it there and went to continue about their business. I mean, obviously, in a perfect world, they would have been able to go to the police and report everything that they found and got Nathan in trouble. But the whole entire Prescott's running the entire town thing screwed that whole entire thing up. Yeah, as, as I uh, mentioned earlier, like when you talk to that cop in the diner, like he basically, without saying so much, basically says that the, the police department is in the pocket of the Prescott's. So it kind of does leave that option like unavailable to them, which is rather unfortunate, but you know, it, it kind of leads like, if I don't go to the police, not thinking like you can go above the municipal police, you can go to like even the County, you can go above that if need be like even the state police or whatever. But you know, you don't think like that as a, you know, as a teenager, you just think, Oh, if I can't trust the police then obviously I can't trust anybody. So I'm just going to go ahead and, get this you know square this off myself so um so you go back to the uh you go back to the junkyard and this kind of leads to the the final scene of this episode um so as uh, as chloe's digging up the body and sees that she's still there max gets drugged from behind she gets a needle stuck in her neck and kind of starts woozing off a little bit and you try to warn um, try to warn Chloe. Chloe turn or pulls out her gun to shoot whoever just drugged her and gets shot in the head and just gets killed right there. It's like I said, it's 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 the one little thing of like overt violence kind of that they that they do is and it seems to always fall into Chloe. Like it's like we're not going to show too much like actual violence, but anytime it is, it's going to be poor Chloe getting killed in some way, shape, or form. So, um. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and uh, you know throw myself a parade too much, but goddamn it, if I wasn't right, <laughs> it's Mister <Mr>. Jefferson. <laughs> Jefferson the whole time has been the creepo motherfucker behind everything. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I, I don't want to throw myself a celebratory parade too much, but I want to say I nailed this one on the head. So uh, pat on the back for me, and we'll move on. So. Um, as, as Max kind of is trying to rewind time by sticking her hand out, she looks over and sees Jefferson and she's just passes out. And that is how the episode ends on quite the cliffhanger. Once again, um, you know, if, if nothing else, life is strange has a 
hell of a way a of ending on cliffhangers. And this one, like, I was going to hold off a little bit until, or to play episode five, and I think I started it, like, the next day or whatever. Like, I was like, okay, I can't wait. I have to see how this ends now, so. So, yeah, I I, I guess it really kind of covers this episode and we can't really say much else because it's going to start getting into episode 5 if we start revealing too much about our feelings on how stuff happened in this one. Because, you know, that whole retrospect thing you can kind of taint your opinion or whatever. But, yeah, episode 4, dark, dark, dark. And I don't want to say it was the best episode, but I think it was the episode that kind of, like, had the most progress in some ways as opposed to like episode three where it kind of felt like it was spinning wheels a lot, like reestablishing a lot of stuff and kind of getting you maybe, I don't know what to say. Like, I think you put it best, like kind of like establishing like who Rachel was. If you kind of read between the lines of everything. Yeah. And of course it definitely had the most accurate episode title. I mean, dark room, the entire thing was just very dark. And I wish that there was another word that we could use to describe it as to not be so repetitive, but that's just what it was. It was dark. It was creepy. It was scary. It just yeah, the whole I, entire thing, the whole time I just had like a, a sick feeling, I guess I could say in my stomach. I just yeah, didn't feel I, good yeah. playing it. Yeah. I had a lump in my gut throughout almost the entirety of this episode. And so, yeah, you, I don't, you know, you, you even try to use other words. They are like scary, creepy, like none of it fits as well as just dark. It's just, it's horrifying. I mean, even horrifying doesn't really feel like the right word. It's just dark. Like there is not, there is not an ounce of light in this, in this episode, really. Like the little bit that is there gets squashed out very quickly and it's, it's depressing. It's, I, like I said, I at, at that point with finding Rachel there, I wouldn't have blamed a single person for checking out there and being like, I can't handle the rest of this game. There's no way, because nothing... I, I, like I said, at that point, there's obviously... This game is not going to be a happy story. There's probably not going to be a happy ending for these characters in any way, shape, or form. Even, even the smallest amount of happiness seems like unrealistic so bringing that up and or you know thinking about that and then getting to that performance it's like i i can i can totally see some people just being like nope i'm done i can't do it i cannot do this it's too it's too emotional and i don't want to feel like this playing a video game you know yeah so it's like and then and then turning it off and going to play like a kirby game or something like that it's like i need something happy god i can't take this anymore (laughs) So, anyway, I think that about wraps up this episode. Um, do you have anything you wanted to add as far as, like, a wrap-up for 3 and 4? Shoot, no. I mean, just thinking back to it now, even though it's been so long, just talking to a, talking about it in whatever detail we have, it just kind of brings back, like, that feeling. Like, when I, when I finished it initially, it was just... Obviously, I didn't have much of a choice with the 3 month gap in between episode four and five but i was just kind of like depressed over the game for probably a good week after finishing episode four it's one of those things that just really stuck with me and not a good way i definitely was going around making sure all the lights were on in my house because i was worried (laughs) mr jefferson was gonna like pop up out of somewhere not very comfortable being in the dark that's the night i finished it that that i mean oh my god it's just one of those things it's just I don't think I've ever experienced anything like I've been watching horror movies since I was probably five years old and none of them scared me as much as this game did. It's crazy because this isn't even a horror game, but they did the 
kind of horror-ish things so well. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I, whoever, I, we're going to have, I'm going to look it up for the next episode, but like whoever wrote this script and the scenario, I mean, like my hat's off to them because like there is, there are so few games that I think that evoke such emotional responses. And I think this is something like, Connor mentioned that he wants to do an episode with is just like games that evoke emotions, like real emotions out of you. Like this and like tactics ogre are like two of the only games that have really ever like made me feel like very heavily about something like, and uh, tactics ogre is a very, like there's two different ways you can kind of play the game or there's two major branching points in that game. And it's, it's really nothing compared to this. And it's probably because it's like a lot of sprite work or whatever, but you know, hats off to the translation and the scenario for that game that, you know, something that came out on the super Famicom can still bring out a feeling of like unease, uncomfortable that like maybe nothing I'm doing is right. There is no real, there is no black or white and life is strange brings out a feeling of just like, like nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best way of putting it, I think. It's it's like, no, Max has this amazing ability to rewind time, and it's not helping anything, and nothing seems to be going right, no matter what she does. It all leads to these horrifying conclusions, and it's just like, well, is anything worth it? I mean, can she honestly fight back? She's lost Chloe so many times, or nearly lost her, and it's still, she can't do anything to fix things. People are still dying around her. People are still in these terrible situations, no matter what she tries to do. And it's just like, oh, God. I mean, it does, it, it's, it almost makes you feel like it, hopeless. She has got the most incredible power in the world. And she, it's it's still not doing anything to fix anything. So it really does just make you think, like, God, is... I, I guess it gets back to my thing, like, you... There's no way this turns out good. There's almost no way anything of this turns out like remotely okay for anybody in this game. And it's a theme that the game kind of has been hinting at for a while, but it really brings it to bear with the end of this episode. Like the one person you thought you could trust, it turns out to be, you know, the problem, uh, the, 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 the eye of the storm, if you will, almost like he's calm and collected, but he's, actually the monster behind just about everything so yeah it's it's been a rough it's been a rough game so i'm looking forward to talking about episode five and the wrap-up um on the next episode because there is a lot to go over with that and i think that will be i mean we've been running along with these last two episodes i think that one we're going to be running even longer with just because of how much there is to talk about and like the feelings we got throughout the rest or throughout the series after everything's been kind of wrapped up i suppose so anyway um after after that rather depressing ending um i guess we can go ahead and do a quick little plug session here because i mean it feels rather unnatural but i suppose we should (laughs) so um (laughs) the website is back up it is no longer gamesjunk.com it is now gamesjunk.net and we are lacking a lot of the content that we had before because godaddy sucks um if you ever get an offer from godaddy run in the opposite direction as fast as you can um, I do realize that they don't come at your door, but, uh, you know, delete that email as quickly as possible uh, and send it off to the ether of oblivion as quickly as possible. Um, you can follow the site on Twitter, Facebook, we're at Games and Junk, uh, basically everything. Um, 
And uh, personally, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason Ariola. That's J A S O N A R R I O L A. And Brittany, you can follow you at Twitter at. Uh, that would be Hello Yes, obviously taking inspiration from the wonderful game that we were talking about today. Although to avoid confusion, because the name is already taken, I had to switch the L's to capital I's, so that is H-E-I-I-A-Y-E-S. Yeah, and I, yeah, when I was looking for the Twitter plug for something for you, I think, or no, I was looking for like a Twitter, like a tweet you had mentioned, I went to look you up by that, and I was like, where the hell is she? I can't find her. (laughs) Not realizing they were capital I, so yeah, it was a little weird that way, so. Anyway, um, thanks for listening to this rather hopeless episode of the games and junk game club podcast um the next one should be up fairly shortly after this one because uh, we're going to be recording in the next either day or four or five days just to kind of get this thing out there so we can move on to the next game but uh yeah thanks for listening and god i 